Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy Thursday at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Forever. Dog. On your mark. Get set. Go. These three hosts will go head to head to head to find out who oozes the most obscure information about a defunct TV filming location. And you, the super sloppy subscriber, wins the fabulous prize of being talked at. It's Nickelodeon Studios on podcast The Ride. Welcome to Podcast the Ride, the first world headquarters for adults who can't get over being kids. I'm Scott Gardner, uh, joined by Mike Carlson. Uh, yeah, that's a club that I don't know. Maybe we should all be arrested. I'm not sure. There's a pro. Maybe we. Just it's need- like there's millions, though. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's this is true. this is a uh, epidemic, a different kind of epidemic within our generation. I think. Um, I, I think, think that in is... various ways, that's the problem. Uh, I don't know if it is a problem. You're I right. Enjoy it. We shouldn't lock all of us up. I think there should be a different set of things uh, that need to be done for the different subsections of people in that category. So, but this is the headquarters, and I, I happy to be staffed there. Hmm. Yeah. Uh. Jason. Jason Sheridan. Uh. Agree. Disagree. You know, as comes up surprisingly often on this show, uh, the society, um, has failed us. <laughs> Government failed us. Religion mm. failed us. <laughs> Education is real hit and miss. You're so, going real far with it. Wow. So we need to take comfort <laughs> in either buying the uh vintage Nickelodeon studio shirts on. Uh, eBay or be cost effective and head on over to T Public where you can get perfectly good replicas for a fraction of the price. <laughs> wow, but left the leftist politics coming out hard on the Nick Studios. <laughs> yeah, episode. I was going to say I've bought wow. Nickelodeon things, but I'm not thinking about how I'm mad about being generationally uh, screwed. Well, we I just are like the orange. We are generationally screwed. I mean that that is if you. There are a separate issues. I mean, I like tying them together. It's interesting, but I would just, you know, I just like gas. We take comfort in a, yeah, take, yeah, it's it's fun, and you take comfort in in more simpler times, you know? If if it's philosophical things we're thinking about, though, or if it's it's more like, I I kind of feel like it's more that our parents were a little more coddled and didn't have to put up with, like, uh, not all, a lot of them had, didn't have to fight in a major world war. So they coddled their children way more kept them young kept them like a little boy forever maybe i'm just speaking about my own situation (laughs) and he now doesn't even realize he's maybe in his mid to late 30s he doesn't know that so yes he has to go to t public and purchase a replica uh nickelodeon splat (laughs) or uh, some replica gack that he can buy and he can pretend that he's getting messy all over again like he did when he was a little boy (laughs) 
I swear there is a way that it doesn't have to be dark. There's a way to be fond of these things. We've just gone all the way to so, well, twisted. Oh. I just disagree a little bit with Jason. I'm I agree with his politics in general, but I think maybe the reason for our our uh you know. You're you're taking it as dark. I am accepting the world as it is <laughs> and taking comfort in the light of, you know, the the, the first nostalgia. neck work by kid, you know, for kids. You it's know. acceptance for well and our our heroes have failed us as you said and we don't and we like, you know, what what do we worship? And I guess the answer is Olmec. It's Old Mech, the, the temple god. That's he true. He's our literal god. He is the closest thing we have to a, a god-like figure, yes, mm-hmm. uh, who watches over and protects us. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, he's one of the characters who lived in the magical world that we're exploring today, the world of Nickelodeon Studios. Mm. Uh, it's a big one. It's a thing that the more that I, I thought about it and have meditated on in the last week, I think it's a, I think Nickelodeon Studios is one of the things that makes Universal Studios Florida, perennially very 90s, very early 90s. There's like a sheen that it'll never shake in a way, in a good way. And I think the, the having that initial Nickelodeon core is part of it. And I think it's a thing, I think, um, like, is Universal Studios Florida, was it ever really a, a working studio without this at the center, I like. I know Parenthood filmed there, or some odds and ends every once in a while. But to me, I'm like, oh, this is like it's a real studio. It shows that I watch. It's every show that I watch is yeah. filmed at this theme park. Yeah, for sure. Um, I there is a documentary called The Orange Years that I watched last night, and it talks about how like the perfect timing of uh nickelodeon was like man we might need our own productions we might need a studio like can we get space somewhere right when universal studios florida is like starting to break ground and it's it's just the most perfect sequence of events that it ends up happening this is like i was just this is like when you're watching like a documentary like uh uh, sound city about all the great albums produced in this one studio and you see, yeah, you watch the, anything about Nick Studios and you go, everything I liked as a kid on this one channel was here. Like 90% yeah. of it. 90, whatever. Yeah. And the same two or three buildings. Like mainly yes. two. They sort of used a third sometimes. I don't think I was aware of how Like to me, Nickelodeon Studios might have been like 19 sound stages. I don't know. But it all happened and mostly in two magical buildings. It, it was yes. it was Willy Wonka's chocolate factory in my mind of like, it doesn't even really have a form. Like, it doesn't have a physical form. It can change shape to to be whatever it needs to be when it shoots one of its shows. Like, I, I that's, my, that's where it was in my mind. I'm sure this we'll talk about. I never got to go. It's another thing that haunts me to this day. Oh, you never went to this at all? Never you tour. went. Wow. Too wow. painful. Oh. I haven't even looked at it in the last few years going to Orlando. I won't even go over there. It's kind of odd to me to even see it sort of as a, a shell of its former, or see not the even old a shell. building that's been a Blue Man group place for I won't even look at the Blue Man. I can't even, I can't. Oof. 
their mocking, scowling faces. Yes. You take them as judgment. <laughs> when they're yeah. gone, they're done. It's over. That's right. done. That's yeah. done. Yeah. Right. Right. Boy, so this is really nothing now. This is just this is an office building that happens yeah. to be next to our favorite theme parks. Um, Jason, did you go? Did you experience this in any way? I yes, I did. Like right in the middle of the gold, like ninety one or ninety two. Oh, I took gotcha. the tour. I did not audition uh, uh, for a show because that was a big thing. You could audition to be on Double Dare or What Would You Do or um, some of the ones that I'm forget. Uh, Nick Arcade, I Guts. think, was an option. Yeah, Guts. Later on, Guts. Um, yeah. And I, uh, I took the tour. My big memory of it is at the end, uh, you guys may have come across the game lab where they put everyone in bleachers and they demonstrate some games and they slime a kid in a tiny little pool at the end. <laughs> um, I did come across the game lab. Yes. Yes. Uh, I saw that. Uh, I did not volunteer. This was before I got bit by the acting bug. So I was terrified by everything and uh, <laughs> especially terrified when we went into this room, which is in my memory was uh the size of a high school gymnasium in reality is the size of like a two-bedroom apartment um and uh they said all right parents sit in that bleacher kids sit in this bleacher and i was like oh my god we got to be separated oh, what if i right. can't find them what if oh, something that's happens? hitting me too it stressed yes. me out oh we're right we're right the separation what stressed is funny? Oh. me out so much uh, i yeah. watched the clip of this and i had the thought Man, that would have stressed me out as a kid. Stressed me. <laughs> I swear to God, I was just watched a couple hours ago, and I was like, "Oh, they separated them." Ooh, that would have. I would not have cared for that. <laughs> and this is after the high of the tour, which was walking by a room with like very dramatic lighting that had a snick couch in it, like a museum oh display, like behind glass. The big orange couch and i was like holy shit that's the couch nice <laughs> smithsonian for kids yeah wow this the um, couch this is boy we both we all of us even like this is a little show where we will sit in a separate sec section from our parents and this was too much too much yeah it would have been far too much yeah i wanted to get I would watch What Would You Do? And, and for the younger ones who might not know, the, a lot of these shows were shows where it would be some sort of game show element, and then kids would get hit with pies, whipped cream, they would get slime, they would get like goo dumped on them, they would get messy. A lot of these shows were based on mess. Uh, a lot of the names were based on mess. So uh, as a kid, I wanted to be on these, sh these shows really bad, but it did make me also very uncomfortable, the idea that I would have like a bunch of like orange goop dumped on my head. Yes. You know, like that That was stressful as well. So it was interesting because it was both of those feelings at once uh, as a kid. Right, right. Yeah, you get, so you get the, you would take a tour of the studios and then get the opportunity to audition potentially. And I think I had the same thing where like I was sure that I would and then something, and then the intimidation of being in the space <laughs> was like absolutely not i i the day came and i flop sweated and i i blew i wouldn't even put myself up for the challenge um mike you talk about you said you you like avoided the building as an adult um uh because you're upset you didn't get to go 
I remember, I think every trip I ever made to, to the studios, uh, uh, and I and probably, probably got to see it in person three times, uh, I think in 94, and then the 99, and 2003, when much less is going on. I think still in 2003, when I'm in college, and especially when I was a kid, uh, like walking up to the building made me nervous. Mm. It was yeah. such a Shangri-La... Um, I and and like you would I remember it's like a very um uh undramatic view. You know uh uh you go into uh Disneyland and the castle it has a you have a clear view of the castle all the way down at the end of the of the, of the street at the end of Main Street. Uh this is the opposite. You go down a it's a weird awkward left turn at pretty much pretty quick after you've entered Universal Studios and you don't see the splat you don't see it like facing you. Ah, there it is. It's like weirdly off to the side. So you approach it in this very like bad eyeline way. And even that, in a way, I was relieved. I feel like I just like my heart would sink. <laughs> see, like I need a little time here. I just let me see that splat really flat from the side. But I just I have such a strong memory of like that awkward view and being like, can I even walk up to it? This is so. This is this. The shot of the studio is at the end of everything that I watch. And <laughs> yeah, I even will I be able to stand if I go uh, up in front of the building? As big to me as a child as the White House, as important a piece <laughs> of architecture, because it was on the end card of everything I watched. Whether it was the picture, whether it was the zooming like like a plane shot, or the, the little doodle one where the universal ball is like perfectly or the globe is perfectly rotating in front of the nickelodeon uh building which was ac never the not the actual architecture in real life um but i it just loomed so large in my mind yeah those, those shots a lot of the nostalgia is definitely from that yeah that the show would end the double dare would end that guts would end nick arcade would end and then uh the the little package of this uh, program was taped before a live studio audience at nickelodeon studios at universal studios in orlando florida this that little thing and seeing that at the end of almost everything just like built up not only the um just like the legend of nickelodeon but universal's florida too yeah i like like is this why is this a big missing component of why i'm so uh, unstoppably into theme parks like was like the the idea of going to this place where there's rides and stuff but also everything you watch is made well um, sure and it in in i think the narrative of the early days of universal studios florida especially very early on is everything br is broken there's no background music <laughs> uh walking around the rides <laughs> break down a lot universal uh, uh nickelodeon studios at universal worked it did its job as a production facility and it did its job as a marketing device and drawing people down there because kids saw that and heard that's where it was and they went mom and dad we gotta go to universal i gotta see nickelodeon studios Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, big time. I remember that, okay, you're describing all the, the, the different iterations of that little end card. Mm -hmm. you know, there's one where they draw on it, and there's one that's like a, you know, kind of a big helicopter shot. And then there's one 
Uh, I even saw it on YouTube awkwardly labeled as like Nickelodeon logo, the one where the kids are running, which is probably also what I'd call it anyway without that title. And so so sometimes you would see this grand shot of the studio and a big nice lawn. I liked the lawn in front of the, uh, it was a very well manicured lawn in front of the Nick Studios building. And a bunch of kids are just running feverishly, pumping their arms because uh, they, they get to go to the place. And I just remember always thinking like, when they get there, when they finish going across the lawn and land at the studio, they're going to have more fun than I have ever had or will ever have. <laughs> these these 12 children, certainly this isn't just some shot and their extras who were hired and like then they left after nine takes. No, no, no. They are like they, this. They are entering heaven. They will enter the kingdom of heaven when they get to the, the cowhide patterned building. Yes. <laughs> I could, yeah, I, I I also had that thing where like I can't even imagine what it's like. I couldn't even there this must be just like you're whisked away by Ren and Stimpy themselves or any of my favorite characters. They say hello, nice to meet you. It's not just like a facility of some kind where cameras are and it's cold in there because that's how they shoot TV shows. Like I yeah, I couldn't even dream of what it might must be like. Hey, what's up? I'm looking for a new best friend. <gasps> Doug? The cartoon yeah. Doug? <laughs> yeah, I'll hang out with you. <laughs> what? No, I, wanna go, you want to go play in the Double Dare nose for <laughs> several hours? <laughs> anything, yes. you, anything you want, Doug. <laughs> Doug, Michael, hop in the car. Doug creator Jim Jenkins, what are you doing here? <laughs> An adult man who very clearly is the basis for Doug. <laughs> Jim Jenkins is going to push us down the pie slide oh. all day. <laughs> yeah. Looking back, though, because I th this is exactly the energy I'm coming into this with, like a like watching it and imagining, and when I am there, if I'm even close to there, then I'll finally be happy. What were we thinking? Like, what is there's <laughs> yes. Ultimate. What was there that even made us do this? Well, the cards, <laughs> the production, the the branding of Nickelodeon, and the, like the commercials, the little animated in betweens, the splat, the all the different logos, like the the Pantone zero two one orange, which is the official color, uh, <laughs> the official Nickelodeon wow. orange color. Um, that was so good. And I, I did find out watching this documentary that like, yeah, they talked to kids a lot. Like they really interviewed kids. Like, what is it like to be a kid? What do you want? And, it, you know, what do you guys want? And, and that is where a lot of the vibe came on. I feel a lot of the early Nickelodeon when they didn't have a lot of budget was vibe. And we were texting the other night, like, did we want this much like repurposed Canadian content? <laughs> And I also learned that the reason there was so much like uh, repurposed like Japanese cartoons and Canadian content is syndicators would not sell them anything. Like a like a big syndication person literally told a VP, like I'm never going to sell you a show ever because so much money was still in the broadcast field, like in in oh. like broadcast syndication, and then cable, cable so was just enemies. yeah a rocket ship. But then like once Double Dare hit that put Nickelodeon on the map. And then they started doing smaller scripted stuff. Um, uh, uh, salute your shorts and Hey Dude. And then eventually get into original cartoons. And it it's 
just kind of like a stepping stone. It just gets bigger and bigger. Yeah, I feel like it's what you're saying. It's the aesthetic of like orange and it's outside of the building is so fun to be like for a kid to see. And then most of the shows, at least leading up to when they had the Nicktoons, Doug, Rugrats, Ren and Stimpy, which were all good. We all liked those. Mm -hmm. uh, Was most of the shows involved kids running around screaming. They would like wild and crazy kids running around and screaming. Kids were screaming in in the audience at uh, at uh, Double Dare. It was a lot of like, I don't know. It was just like a fantasy as a kid to just be like, I want to get out there and I want to yell and I want to do that for a long time and I want to make a mess. I'm just like, it's like a frust. Maybe like as you're little and you have all this, you're starting to get all this energy. You were watching just like you were watching. Uh, what, what would you even say? Like you were aspiring to do that. You were aspiring to go wild. Yeah, the wild there's and only crazy kids. Kid. The only place I go where there's only kids is school, and we have to sit and be quiet. Yeah, exactly. Maybe yes. like yes. Yeah, unless you're on the playground, but that doesn't quite. The playground doesn't look cool. It doesn't look cool like these places. There's and then there's Chuck E. Cheese and there's Discovery Zone and stuff. But there's I don't know. Even those uh, leave yeah, you cold rules. in a way. Yeah, and you can't. Um, yeah, you if you yell and run around Chuck E. Cheese, somebody an adult does say like, "Don't do that." I mean, or yeah. a teenager yeah. is supposed to tell you to do that, to not do that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Nickelodeon was just like back-to-back programs where kids were screaming and making a mess, and it would look nice. It looked like a nice break from your life. Yeah, that was a big thing early on. They're like, yeah, it's kind of hard to be a kid. It does kind of suck. Uh, looking back, some of the marketing went too far of like the most, the opening day broadcast starts with like the most oppressed group in history, kids. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I don't know about all that. I don't know. Maybe you're swinging too yeah, far that in that a direction. Bit of an overstatement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say that today, but. Um, but it's that's what it was all. It primed us with a very important lesson, which is to hate adults. Adults are bad, and they <laughs> want you to not be yelling. And adults, um, you know, all right, your mom and dad are in front of you, and you know what they look like. But every other adult you're ever gonna meet has um, has like. Uh, far side hair and big like horn rim glasses. Yeah. Um, and they're always looking at you from a perspective where it looks like fish eye, and they bulge once they get in your face because they have to lean down and scold and nag you with a finger. Um, so you're gonna meet a lot of gross lunch ladies in your life with big warts. Um, <laughs> so fear and distrust adults mm-hmm. when possible. Spray them with liquids and goos <laughs> and gags, and get them out of your face <laughs> and gags. Yeah. But don't don't put yourself in danger. Uh, and and also like all adults are either one of our two types of stage managers. They're either like Harvey from Double Dare, and he's kind of like a cool square dad, or it's like this maniac from You Can't Do That on Television, mm. who's just like, I, it's I guess it's just before you know the phrase going postal catches on, but like the the You Can't Do That on TV guy seemed like he was about to kill someone at all times uh, uh, his name's uh, ross terrifying. he shouldn't have had that job no like, uh, his job is to organize the show a stage manager puts people where they need to be for the the tapings and the shootings so his entire lot in life is to tell kids to go be <laughs> on these points and do what he says yes. long line of work ross yeah 
Ross really big mistake. Whoever hired Ross, I feel like I feel like you just hit on exactly what has stunted a generation. Also, was helped to stunt a generation is Nickelodeon successfully made us feel man. Adults are awful. They are awful. They get in your face with their weird lens face, their lens heads, <laughs> their bulge, bulge their, their fish eyed heads, uh, and you do not want to be them because they just nag and they tell you not to do things. Don't do that. Be like they dress be, like it's the fifties. They not are the fifties. <laughs> Stop dressing like it's the fifties. And when you go to bed, they watch boring Nick at night with Dobie Gillis. Yeah, and Lassie. Those, well, no. Sometimes <laughs> they showed Lassie during the day. I guess Lassie yeah. falls on either side of the line. Dobie Gillis, though, boring. Yes, <laughs> boring. Yes, I not like Dobie Gillis as a kid. No, no. Ozzy and Harriet. No, no. Uh, so they, you know, even Nick at night. I feel like. Were they even intending to draw that connection that like all the mean adults are it's they're like from the 50s and then we like the only other culture I know of is like I just assumed all parents like wait for us to be gone for the day so they can just mainline old shows on Nick at Night for four hours to watch Donna Reed all night. (laughs) Oh, there's one. Yeah. Is Donna Reed the one where it's uh, triplets? Is it the triplet show? Does Donna Reed have triplets? Of? I don't think. There's one where My three a, a sons? girl, no, a girl is plays her own sisters. Not the what Patty Duke. Not of? the Patty Duke show. Maybe that's Patty Duke. Show. Yeah, yeah. That she might is, be what they're, I'm two, they're cousins. They're identical cousins. Cousins. Yeah, that's okay. in the theme. Uh, I was I made, never bothered to look it up. Boring. It's <laughs> what the lunch mom, ladies watch. My mom with her big red perm and her necklace. She would say, "You're watching." Dobie Gillis and Patty Duke and Donna Reed, and you're learning <laughs> lessons from these. And she would say, she would point at me, and her the her head was like kind of fisheye lens, and and that's how I know this stuff mm-hmm. is because I had that experience. Yeah, <laughs> you want some fun? Lawrence Welk has a bubble machine. That's pretty pretty out there. You know? The difference, though, is that you were saying that to your mother. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I look. This is a podcast we all love. Nick at night, too. I mean, of course, I would, we're doing I some would, jokes. We're doing some jokes here. Doing some jokes. And a lot of what you're mentioning, I are blank spots for me because they were not on Nick at Night. I, like Hogan's Heroes and Dobie Gillis and oh, like that. Dobie crap. Gillis was on Nick at Night. Was it? I, I never Donnery, caught Dobie, Dobie Gillis Sorry, and Patty Duke show all on Nick at Night. Uh, but I will say three shows that did not connect with me. I like Dick Van Dyke. Yes. I like I Love Lucy. I liked Get sure. Smart. I liked all that stuff, but I did not connect with the other ones as much. I, I really like the stuff that would play both, like classic Looney Tunes or um, uh, uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle. When they got the Rocky and Bullwinkle rights and they would like dump it on either Nickelodeon or Nick at Night, I was sure. like, yes, any hour of the day, please. Yeah. That yeah. stuff was yeah. fun, too. Um, but hate adults. This is a place to hate adults. This hate is where them. the war might might begin. And that maybe it's worth talking a little about the Nick Studios opening day special, which Jason alluded to. There's a three hour, three hours, <laughs> three hours you can watch on YouTube. I remember finding this in the past, and they and the video said first hour only, and I said, "Fuck you! Why would you do this to me?" I this I loved this special growing up so much. I think they reran it a lot, and I watched it anytime it was on. To me, this was like a like that that's an earned three hour that's like magnolia every minute counts <laughs> um like and, and the 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 scope of the story i remember thinking like 
I like similar to uh, Ernest goes to Splash Mountain, which I have described as feeling like a you know like a like a terrifying Cronenberg ordeal because <laughs> Ernest gets zapped a little bit in it or turns into a skeleton. Similarly. The push and pull between the live opening special with lots of bands that I've never heard of and Mark Summers and Brad and Melody from Hey Dude in character, the fun that they're having over there mixed with the villainous presence of awful, the adults who find fun unbearably loathsome. It's a, the, the live broadcast keeps getting interrupted, pirate radioed with static by this awful group of evil adults. <laughs> and I just bought this hook, line, and sinker. This was like, I mean, as scary as if, 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 if anybody's scared by, you know, the Joker's interrupting things or like the, you know, the tapes that he makes Anthony Michael Hall, the news anchor read, uh, that like, I, I was so terrified by awful, which now you watch and it's just the like broadest groundlings rejects actors you've <laughs> ever seen. Uh, but I, but this was like an epic film to me. Yeah. Yes. That, I don't, I don't have a good memory of watching this at the time. I don't know. It's hard because so much of it is familiar, but I don't think I did. I don't want to say I watched this because I don't think I don't have a strong memory about it. But going back through it. Yeah, that that as I've said before on the coming out of Rochelle's episode and that was live, obviously, but like Shredder, he's obviously he looks yes. he looks scary to a kid, but Shredder is very silly in that. And I was just terrified that this man would take away our fun. And I'm sure I would have felt the same way about these adults in this video, where I would just be like, "Oh, I cannot believe what they're trying to do here. These are the these are the scariest people I've ever seen. These yeah. twisted bastards. Yeah, <laughs> must be stopped at all costs. Sickos. I, because the the not nothing beyond the first hour had been on YouTube until recently. Um, I just I just remember the whatever the end of it. Looming large, similar to, to like, boy, did I think Ernest Goes to Splash Mountain was the scariest thing I'd ever seen. And then I watched it like that was it. It was like 10 seconds that I my kid brain just fuzzed into oblivion. <laughs> I, I, I just I, and I announced to Aaron when we were rewatching it, like whatever this end is, let me just declare that I thought that specifically the ending was like the scariest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't know if you guys watched the special and know what the ending I was. was. I don't know. What is the, uh, yeah, yeah, what I is the ending? Through, I, I, I ended up watching like multiple perfect gentlemen performances, but I, I don't <laughs> think I got gentlemen are good. I don't, I yeah. love those suits and, and they're great singers. Uh, yeah. Perfect yeah. gentlemen. Yeah. The, a lot of time is seeded to the performance from this kind of like sub new edition uh, in polka dot, bright color polka dot suits. They kind of, it's sort of Dick Tracy villain esque. Mm. And then you wonder who are perfect gentlemen. And it is, they are, one of them is the kid of Maurice Starr, the mastermind of New Edition and New Kids on the Block. So he was attempting to do this with his own kid. Okay. So not great success, seemingly, being that I only know them from dancing in front of the Double Dare set in this one thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, Anyway, perfect gentleman. Uh, but you you get past all that. You get to the end. The end is like um, they have to like um, tap into a slime valve to um, stop the adults of awful who are trying to stop oh. Nick Studios from ever opening because they're like if there there cannot be a world headquarters for kids. If this place opens, we awful are screwed. <laughs> um, so there in a in a live acted out segment. Um, Mark Summers, other kids who I've never seen on any show, 
I don't know who they are. And then like a contest winner um, are all just fake shaking around as if there's some, you know, earthquake or turbulent kind of situation in the building. So they're like bopping around like a bad play. The camera's shaking around all fake. Then the the contest winner misses a cue turning uh, a big dial that makes slime release into the room that off the pre-tape room that awful is in. And then like, you know, uh, like a, a two liter soda bottle worth of slime unleashes at their feet and they're like, curses, you foiled us again. <laughs> oh, your studio, but we'll be watching you. Um, it, it is the most nothing of nothings. There's clearly a cue missed and Mark Summers is silent for a while and trying to fill <laughs> space because something didn't happen that he wanted to, ha- that needed to happen. Yeah. Um, a very I have important. no idea why I found this in, so dramatic. In your mind, it was like a snuff film of some kind. At the end, or exactly this... everything you say about Hellraiser, yeah, I thought there might have been like actual death in it. There, mm-hmm. like it was going to cut to like a, <laughs> you know, like that creepy fox corpse getting eaten by the maggots. It was going to be mm-hmm. something as disturbing as that, the- and then cut to Mark Summers bopping around. Whoa! <laughs> this is how they killed Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, the spies. <laughs> they flooded the room with slime. Um, uh, what? Co- I was just going to say, why is aesthetic for a scary adult like Roz from Monsters, Inc. with those glasses? It's like an older, stern lady with those, like, 50s glasses. What, what is the origin of that being, like, a mean adult? Do you know what I'm I saying? There's got to be a specific Who started character. it? I'm not sure. Like, uh, was it a li- famous librarian, like, who was mean and had, wore those glasses? Like, those, I don't know. It's just interesting that that's lasted for so long. You still see it as like a trope of like kind of a stern older lady. I, I think sitcom character Hazel look like. <laughs> <laughs> what, what were you going to say, Jason? Well, I think like uh, like a lot of stuff. I think it was like one or two TV writers had a teacher like that and used that as a template for a character. Just like did did every tv writer have bad luck like with with you know boys and or girls they liked or is that just the sort of person that is attracted to making television like (laughs) hazel did not have the glasses hazel Hazel did not here um but maybe there's something else there's yeah there's there's it's it's got to come from one place and if we knew it so if you know where like scary horn rim glasses dowdy adults came from listener if you can direct us to why this stereotype uh still maintains in a way please let us know yes I, it's or that was just a style of educating teachers like okay you can be a strict te- like uh, you're either gonna be a strict teacher or a fun teacher we can't have too many of both we can't have too many strict teachers or the kids fucking check out we can't have too many fun teachers or nothing gets done you gotta have a balance pick your lane yeah yeah uh, um the um in general this nickelodeon opening day special and by the way i think it's really insane that this entire thing is going on while universal studios florida entirely is opening and having all of the problems that it's happened like like that's one of the more notorious bad opening days because so yeah. many of the big attractions broke and then also you got Mark Summers going live with the Hey Dude cast and 
uh, acting out all these weird little scenes. Jane Seymour pops by yes. at some point. Yeah. Um, very odd celebrity assortment. Uh, Linda Blair. Linda Blair. Uh, Blair. She's in a, a remote. Uh, we, we also need to... A key to this is said very early in the broadcast, right at the top. He's, Mark Summer says this is the first ever live broadcast, Nickelodeon live broadcast. And first you time can, in 11 years. Yeah. In 11 years. And you can tell because a number of times they have people on camera and they have not turned off the channel with the warm up guy is like, all right, now everyone's here. Like you're hearing two different parts of the room at once and you should not be. And it's like overshadowing the guy who played Superboy that the girls either have a crush on or they're pretending they have a crush on. Oh, yeah, Superboy. Yeah, there's so much like they're just filming a live broadcast in a big party and you're always hearing the party it's never not present um so like there's an interview steven spielberg is there there's an interview with spielberg and there's a bunch of like noise interrupting him he seems distracted (laughs) um and spielberg i I didn't know this part of it at all um that spielberg gets slimed we get to watch steven spielberg get slimed very cool yeah Fun, uh, man. He, him I, and Mark Summers. What a him and like Summers, crazy seeing these guys together. Two Spielberg, and Spielberg, two legends meet. Uh, Spielberg plays along too. He's in a, like a construction hat, construction helmet, and like poncho. And he goes like, "I don't trust you, and I don't trust your network." Like he, <laughs> um, <laughs> he also makes sure to tell Mark Summer that he uh, doesn't. Picking a favorite movie is like picking a favorite child, but making Empire of the Sun was a great experience. (laughs) (laughs) I guess he did pick. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me show you another crazy one. This is uh, when I did a a deep dive on a a Facebook group with a lot of good photos that I think is called Nickelodeon Studios Past, Present, and Future. Um, this This is a little crazy to see. Uh, here's a shot from outside Nickelodeon Studios, I believe, on that very day. And uh, who do we have here? Oh, but the man himself. Mr. Lucas. George Lucas at Nickelodeon Studios. I had no idea this occurred. I don't know what he's doing. He's maybe just like popping by to see a little little shoot happen. But um, that, that's, a, that's a wild like combo. Like these, those things don't go together. For me, the Nickelodeon Splat and George Lucas. Those are different universes. So Where, crazy seeing them collide. That is wild. Was he down there? Yeah, for to see Spielberg? Because Spielberg obviously was at least was involved pretty heavily with Universal Studios. So it would make sense that either he was down there for some other reason and they got him or he just making an appearance to help boost the place or whatever. But yeah, George, is George just along for the ride? The cap who knows the source of the caption? The caption seemed to imply that he was there with Spielberg, but I hadn't thought about that either. That he's so on the Disney side of the line. So seeing him at Universal Studios is kind of strange too. Yeah, he didn't. George didn't produce like super sloppy Double Dare or something, did he? Do we don't know? (laughs) (laughs) I want to make it. Can we make it sloppier? Um, that I don't want to get on this tangent because this is its own thing. But uh, um, for the for the second time in a little bit, let me name check uh, fellow Forever Dog uh, podcast Double Threat, uh, which played a clip. I sent you guys this of the show of a, a not Nickelodeon Studios, but a different shot at Universal Florida game show called. <laughs> let me. It's the clunkiest name of all time. Let me see if I get it. Secrets of the Crypt Keepers Haunted House. <laughs> <laughs> Seek the game show. It's a game show, but it's called Secrets 
like so clearly a Legends of the Hidden Temple yes. stand-in. Weirdest, cheapest thing ever. I was so delighted by this. Never knew this ex- existed. It's a it's a Tales from the Crypt game show. And because of the Tales of the Crypt connection and the Crypt Keepers in it, they have to give producing credits to all of the the, the producers of the show, which include uh, Robert Zemeckis and uh, who's the uh, Richard Donner. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, it's the crappiest, like worst '96 CGI you've ever seen, and just like it's for bad kids, and they have attitude, and they're like, "Screw you, dude!" And then you see a big Zemeckis, Richard <laughs> Donner shared credit on this syndicated crap. It was amazing, and that's yeah. that was the Nickelodeon difference. You could tell they were just a little loose. They were a little like wilder, a little less like buttoned up about stuff. You know, obviously. It's it's Nickelodeon stuff is made by you know uh, development people and marketing people too, but it it just felt like they were having more fun, you know. Yeah, it seemed like a real like um, you know like let's actually have fun in this new space and not like focus group this stuff into oblivion. Focus yeah. group it in the right way, like find out what kids want, but then not like note things within an inch of their life. I think the vibe too was that like once they greenlit something, they were very hands off. They just let the people making it make it. So yeah, it wasn't like um sh- you know, chaperone to death. It wasn't a lot of people looking over your shoulder. It was like mm-hmm. yeah, the like the 70s filmmaker revolution with Scorsese and uh, uh Altman. It was like <laughs> yep. that, but for That's kids right. TV in the 90s, it was like, you know, the auteurs could really go and do their thing. Get to sl- get the kids sloppy in any which way they wanted. <laughs> Slime, gag, pies, pie coasters, pie uh, throwers. <laughs> the lo- yeah, your imagination was the limit in the nineties with how yeah. messy you could get kids. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I really want to, real quick, uh, I was zooming through this thing, uh, and I noticed that they have all the commercials on this thing, too, which is great, which is obviously yeah. we could do an episode on each commercial. Yes. Kid Quiz, do you remember Kid Cuisine? Oh, I, oh a real God. treat. A I real was treat. not allowed to have Kid Cuisine. I tried, and I tried, but I was not allowed to have it. My mom thought it was junk. I'm sure she was correct. But man, um, that food in that commercial looks like shit. Yeah, of course, the thing it does. that they say is pizza. If they didn't say it out loud, this is pizza. I wouldn't recognize it. And Aaron and I were both recoiling while watching that ad. And then she said, "I definitely, specifically recall throwing up because of kid cuisine." <laughs> definitely happened. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I, I quit real quick. And I, I don't know the name of that. Like, there's a bear chef on the on the image. <laughs> I don't know his name. I only did it briefly took a look. There is a character that's now the Kid Cuisine still exists. Oh. And he has a kid. There's a new mascot, and his name is KC. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like a cool duck with a jacket that says KC. And he's like got he's like a real like slick kind of guy. He's Penguin? got like Oh yeah, maybe he's a pet. Yeah, or, or is he a or is he a black duck like Daffy? <sighs> I think he could 
I think he's a uh, duck, but I guess you're right. He could be a penguin as well. Does it say? But right it's here? frozen. It's it's oh, frozen yeah, food, right. so it's Jason's probably right. a penguin. Good yeah. Call, yeah. Um, but it says, "What do you uh, what do you love?" And he says, "Keeping the fun going by giving kids their favorite foods and real meals that are still really fun." And getting the last laugh when I can. Now, that's suspicious. <laughs> I agree, it is. So then they say, what do you dislike? And he says, just like any other kid, I don't like for the fun to stop, even at mealtime. Uh, and then Wait, how would you... The... <laughs> oh, no, no, go ahead. Okay, I'm no. just going to do the last bit. Yeah, sorry. How would you describe your personality? He says, playful and curious. That's because I wear a lot of hats. You can tell if you look at me, my uh, look at all my different meal boxes. <laughs> A man's got to have a code, and sometimes that means watching someone's soul leave their body because of violence he did to them. Rock and roll. <laughs> the best question, though, I feel is the question, what's your full name? And KC says, Kid Cuisine. <laughs> so he is, it's not the, just the abstract idea of cuisine for kids. His name is Kid Cuisine. His like, name is yeah, Kid, Kid Quick or something. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, uh it's the final evolution of that theory of like Pixar, every Pixar thing. It's like, you are your job. <laughs> KC is kid cuisine. Um, and he is, he is being literal with his hats. He wears a, like an Uncle Sam top hat for his all-American chicken breast nuggets. <laughs> and uh, he's wearing, what is he wearing in this? Uh, What's that? What are we looking? I recognize the mac and cheese. What's next to the mac and cheese? Uh, Corn. Is it a roll? Is that a big roll? This thing? You're oh, it's, it's it's Casey's strawberry cake. Oh, it looks awful. Oh man. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> never changed. Uh, as gross today as ever. Pop star popcorn chicken. And there's that uh, cake again. And the strawberry <laughs> Casey's strawberry roll. That's that's like <laughs> insulation. That's foam. It looks like if I squinted, you'd go. Is that someone's tongue that was cut out of their mouth? <laughs> Uh, Scott, if you ever let us babysit your child, we're going to feed them no. fucking garbage. <laughs> so we have a reason to sample the garbage. Uh, hey, here's your kid cuisine. And for me, uh, another kid cuisine. The same one you are eating. <laughs> <laughs> you just gave him mini corn dogs and strawberry cake. Yeah, two food groups, two major food groups. <laughs> Not fruit. Uh, yeah, and you'll... You're, uh, He'll he'll be uh, coloring kid cuisine coloring pages <laughs> that let the parents know that this is advertising for kid cuisine. It's a fun coloring page that we're looking at, and at the top in smaller font it says, "Hey parents, this is advertising from kid cuisine." Yeah, so uh, I think there's more kid cuisine to look into, but I just I got a little I got a little taste here, and I felt like we'll go back and see which what the names later of the old characters and. I was obsessed with it. I rem I just it was such a strong memory of like being like, "Mom, please, please." And she's like, "That's bad. That's food is bad. We can't we, get so that." So right. Yeah, it made my right. made my future wife sick. Our <laughs> parents had to lay down some boundaries. Mine was we did not get Dunkaroos. I don't know why. Other kids got Dunkaroos and I just kind of and I would have it sometimes at friends' house, but I was like, yeah, we don't do that. And I think my mom was just like, ah, oh, they're too expensive, which probably means like it was, you know, uh, $3 a box instead of $1.50. A like little Debbie's, they practically pay you to take it away. But Hostess 
Hest, I think, has a, a couple actual ingredients. Not a lot. But Hostess was always more money. But Little Debbie's is always dirt cheap, you know? Uh, and you were a Little Debbie family. We were a Little right? Debbie family. Back yeah. east, too, there's a lot more variety in Debbie, single-serve Debbie content. Like, I think my school uh, made a small fortune on selling single-serve Little Debbie sure. packages. Uh, I hate to bring us right back into Kid Cuisine territory, but take, take a look <laughs> at this real no, quick. No, it's fine. Take a look it's, real it's quick. It's an advertising break. This is a commercial break. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. No, no. Kid Cuisine Shrek-shaped fun nuggets. <laughs> Turn, Turn your tongue your green. Turn your tongue green. <laughs> With Shrek-shaped fun nuggets. Shrek-shaped fun nuggets. <laughs> Wait, and look what turns your tongue green. Swamp pudding. <laughs> God, Swamp it's not pudding. even spinach. It's That's the dessert. It's green dessert. Shrek- and the nuggets are, oh, they are Shrek-shaped. They have little ears like him. <laughs> I genuinely, this does not happen to me. I feel a little nauseous. <laughs> And it's less looking at the food and more the words. I think Shrek-shaped... I'm like... I think I'm gurgling up a little. Shrek-shaped fun nuggets and swamp pudding are really doing a number on me. Okay, let me say to the listener out there, a quick little assignment. If you're with somebody in your apartment or house or something, turn to them, and if they're listening or not, doesn't matter, and say, I'm going to say a phrase to you, and I want you to react to it in real time. Uh, and know that the phrase is something that existed in real life. And then say, Shrek-shaped fun nuggets. And see what their reaction is. And then we'll tweet about it. And you can tweet at us what this person's reaction was. To Shrek-shaped fun nuggets. <laughs> I, like, this it's is... Disgusting. I, this is a trigger. This is like, I, I, this is as if I went to see a hypnotist show 15 <laughs> years ago and, and the secret word. And then when you hear Shrek shaped fun nuggets, you will vomit on command. You'll be nauseous for an entire day. You are a Manchurian candidate now. You have been, you are now the winter You're soldier. You've, You've been, been unlocked. You've been activated. <laughs> I have to go puke on Biden now. <laughs> Wow! You you meet you meet your cohorts and you you say I saw her face and they say I'm a believer. (laughs) (laughs) I thought love was only true in fairy tales. (laughs) This is wow! This is awful. Anyway, all right, I got all Kim Possible's involved. Yeah, Um, I got to get out of here. Brand. Yeah, I'm. I know for me to be able to speak anymore. What are those? What's that black (laughs) stuff? What's is it? It's next to Chewbacca. There's a. Is that like a? Those are like little crispies that look like Darth Vader's helmet. Oh my god! Some weird YouTube video with a man in a weird (laughs) mask popped up. Ew! It's a scary puppet, like the old Genesis video, and it's an ASMR video somehow. But it's with little crackers that look like Darth Vader's helmet. This is the darkest territory. We've been in in a while. Wow, this is, yeah, there's a really kid cuisine here. Can you read? Wait, I'm trying to read what it is. No, it's uh, pretty pixelated. BB-8 and R2-D2 shaped breaded white meat. <laughs> uh, no. Chicken, pe- wait, hold on. Let me, I gotta take the microphone off the stand here. Uh, chicken patties with rib meat, corn pasta and cheese sauce, and battle cookies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like little Death Stars. Yeah, they're the battle cookies. cookies. Yeah. Battle cookies. Ugh. 
I well, genuinely, I this has to be off the screen. This has to, I have to hide <laughs> the Zoom window soon. Okay, all right. I'll stop sharing here. Uh, man. This is going to unleash some madness where now to like keep trolling me, the listeners will like film themselves happily eating kid cuisine <laughs> and swamp pudding and battle <laughs> cookies while their insides just I, rot. <laughs> I want next live show that every listener brings Scott some swamp pudding. <laughs> I, once, my fear <laughs> when we're yes. back recording in person we're making a little a little tasting board of kid cuisines for us to enjoy god damn it let's stay on zoom as that long is as we can. oh yeah we got to do kid cuisine as soon as we're back in person oh uh, country bears this- off kid cuisine on Geek cuisine on. Wait, Scott's going to be mainlining the sleepy time tea supplies, though. He's going to be mainlining the tea to try and settle his stomach. <laughs> I am not. I'm not having one lick of any of this. The challenge is for me to be able to look at it in front of my actual eyes. That's what I... If I could survive that, that's the challenge. Eating is off the table. Oh, I just scrolled. I just scrolled again through the kid cuisine, and I saw the pizza, and I went like I went. I felt it. I felt what you're talking about. I'm like, Ugh. it's just. This I don't. If this is going to be prepared, it's not going to be in my microwave. <laughs> this needs to be. This needs to. If we're if we're doing it at my place, this has to happen offsite. You need to find an industrial kitchen that will prepare this. <laughs> ghost kitchen. We the podcast the ride ghost kitchen. <laughs> Oh. oh man! Okay, okay. All let's right. get let's commercial break over. Disgusting commercial break over. I have. We, we'll get off of this opening ceremony. I have one more thing to say about it that I really like, which is there is a a continuing presence in it from a young Will Friedel. Will Will Friedel later from Boy Meets World, who is I think really really funny. He's the older brother on that show. Mm-hmm. Um, you see him as a kid. Um, he he does a he does a, a rap song <laughs> that's about. Uh, editing and graphics and like old analog editing equipment that isn't used anymore. I think they played this on the tour, Wilfried L. Rapping. Um, he's charming throughout. Um, but there is this part, I don't know if you guys found this, where a um, he talks to some skaters from the about-to-premiere Nick show Skate TV. So there's a couple skaters and they're going to do tricks around um around Universal Studios in the Hollywood Boulevard area. Um and Will Friedel is a little like I think he reminds me of of little me cuz he's got big cheeks and brown hair and he's just got like an upbeat attitude. So I see myself in it. Like this seems like a sweet nice kid. And then he's with these taller, jerkier, older skaters and he's trying to be nice to him and ask him questions about skating. And he says, uh, well, so where do you guys skate pretty much? And they're like, oh, you know, ramps and uh, pools. They're giving him nothing. And then he's like, oh, pools. Is that pretty tough to skate on, you know, with the water? And then one of the skaters says, no, we do it empty, idiot. And they use this. They oh. use it on the, in the special. And it's real. It for sure is this 16-year-old jackass calling the host of the show an idiot. <laughs> It really broke my heart for young Will Friedel. I mean, I'm glad they left it in. They wouldn't do that today, but but it's yikes. old. These skate TV jerks! <laughs> How dare you? That old TV thing where like they didn't make sure everything was uh, good or like <laughs> like I've I've talked about it on old Tonight Show clips where it's just like no one edit no one was editing this. They were like, yeah, "Yep, yeah. great, put it on TV. We we shot it. Go for it." 
You know what's funny is you talk about old Tonight Show clips and the sloppiness of old Tonight Show, and you think of people like Burt Reynolds being drunk or just uh, you know <laughs> yeah. kind of not together mm-hmm. on the Carson Tonight Show, and then a rare moment that was like this in the later era on Jay Leno was the Burt Reynolds Mark Summers feud. Yes, one of the only major memories I feel of the Leno Tonight Show. I don't remember how it escalate were they were they just like kind of like zinging each other and then it went too far and Bert was actually mad and uh and then it culminates in some sort of like they turn their backs take a couple steps and do a do a duel with pies am i you guys know this clip i have seen this clip i'm trying to remember how it starts mark is like very passive aggressive toward Bert, but Bert probably said something jerky to start mark off on that track so they're going back and forth and then Mark like splash or no Bert splashes. I forget who splashes oh, like water, water yes. first on yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, very Andy Kaufman esque. It's kind of sh- for something in like ninety five, ninety six. You're like this is pretty old school feeling. So I commend Mark Summers for engaging in this talk show awkwardness. Yeah, the danger, the danger of it. Uh, yes, you you don't feel that any like it wouldn't air if that happened on Jimmy <laughs> Fallon, and it wouldn't happen on Jimmy Fallon because everything's like planned out very specifically i'm of course talking about when i say like when i'm talking about like nothing was planned or it was boring or or a little more raw i'm talking about a interview i just watched two nights ago where richard dawson was uh <laughs> guest hosting the tonight show with william shatner on and they were boring the shit out of everyone just nothing no interesting thing to say yeah you forget uh, the golden age of tv a lot of it is spliced together in montages or oh, best yeah. if you watch like there's a bunch of johnny carson stuff on tubi and um there's a lot of audience silence during some of those monologue like the monologue is very lazy like barely mm-hmm. got got those jokes out you know yeah 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 um yeah no i we we start to think that like that thing where the guy throws the tomahawk and it lands in the uh there's a little shape of the body and it lands at the crotch yeah Uh, like that's an old famous carson clip like we think that happened like over and over (laughs) and over again there were 40 crotch tomahawks per episode yeah but in fact that was the one good thing that happened in 10 years (laughs) right yeah he's the king Um, of tv though let me say well okay you you talk kings of tv my childhood affection for mark summers was so strong um like i really do it's almost weird to me that he's a a real person because with his universal studios presence he almost is like king kong or jaws to me he's almost (laughs) otherworldly i liked him as much as i liked michelangelo like (laughs) you know what i mean like i do he he was a pillar of what i watched as a kid so that there that it is a real man um i liked him so much just so charming and everything always love double dare love what would you do the best and then we were a little older unwrapped started and i was just like there's my friend he's back yeah doing a new job yeah that was a similar feeling i had when like Keenan Thompson was on Saturday Night Live. I was like, oh, he made it out. He made it from my kid interests to my adult interests. And the same thing with Mark Summers, where like when Unwrap started, it was like, whoa, hey, that's cool. There is life after, yeah, like as a lot of people don't get out. They're sort of stuck in kid world or they aren't. And yeah, no, he's he's got a pretty big like reality career. 
Um, my little thing of like how I came the closest to living my Nickelodeon dreams because I was never on a show, I was never slimed, I was too scared to audition. Um, but about 10 years ago at this point, Funny or Die produced a Double Dare themed music video. There was a full recreation of the set and they got Mark Summers to participate. This was a music video for one of history's great bands. I'm talking, of course, about Good Charlotte. Um, <laughs> so uh, I just, my, my friends, uh, Josh Martin and Ryan McNeely, uh, oh, you guys know them too. They, uh, they put this together and I, I was in the right place at the right time. And they asked if I wanted to be like a helper, like the, um, uh, I guess a Harvey or more like one of the people like helping with the games and like, you know, cleaning up water balloons spill and stuff. So I got the shirts. I got to be in a shirt. Erin came. She did it too. Fellow uh, podcast podcaster uh, Ryan Stanger is in it, unrecognizable in his mega long hair that he used to have. Um, anyway, just um, this was like the dream of all dreams. I'm on a recreated double dare set with Mark Summers, be standing in the wings in a shirt, and then he does the thing. He does the on your mark, get set, go! Such chills, heart beating <laughs> so fast, the coolest thing ever. And then the greatest thing was that um, you know, probably a, a, a situation they encountered in the early days of Double Dare, um, the setup to do this thing was just mammoth. It, it was so crazy to flip it from the game show part to the physical challenge or obstacle course part. It took forever. And Mark Summers was just standing around. And then me and everybody else who were wearing the Double Dare shirts and who grew up watching him all kind of poked around and like... Hey, so, uh, hey, is this cool to be here? For? And he just told us stories for 90 minutes. Yeah. Everything you would ever want to hear. The nicest guy, the greatest guy. Everybody got pictures with him. Like, I am just glowing in my Mark Summers uh, uh, experience. Um, wow. he, and he's just volunteering. Like, well, you probably also want to hear about that. Uh, uh, what's the the um, the Magic Castle special I did? Oh, yes, of course. Yes, we'd love to hear about that. He just, like, volunteered. Like, everything you'd ever want to hear at a Q&A, but just <laughs> for us. Um, so, so cool. Um, so if you want to see that and hear a great good Charlotte song, <laughs> and I don't know if it's in the cut, but you might get to see my wife fish a pie out of Benji Madden's pants. Um, <laughs> so if you have any desire, I forget, was he, uh, he's like a tabloid famous person, right? Was he married to, I think, uh, was he married to Hillary Duff? Hillary Duff, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think so. Um, did the other anyone. one married to Nicole Richie? Am I wrong? Or maybe I'm mixing those up. Yeah. Um, I wonder if this was Joel? the rare place that the the good Charlotte people were, where like no one on the set is fawning over them. <laughs> like not one person is like <laughs> trying to get pictures or autographs. <laughs> like it's just bees to honey for Mark Summer. Wait, mm -hmm. no, Benji is married to Cameron Diaz. <laughs> Whoa, now. <laughs> Oh, Whoa. Benji's married to Cameron Diaz. I was right about Joel Madden being married to Nicole Richie, but I did not realize. Really, Cameron Diaz is married to Benji. In. Wow, or at least was. Yeah. Guys, we gotta keep up with Us Weekly. We're not <laughs> reading the tabloids like we should. Huh. I feel like sometimes I know what I'm talking about. Mm. Let me hear. Let's. I'm gonna just. Yeah, Jason's right. Wow. 2015. Wow. All right. Hmm, and here I am, like being snarky about him on this podcast. Well, yes, <laughs> they're a list man who has five hundred million dollars. 
I mean, Benjamin they were very big Zaylist. when we were teenagers. Yeah. 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 Jeez. Um, well, anyways, uh, yes, watch these A-listers, and I'm I'm in the I'm in the background. Um, so that that's my that's my Mark Summers enthusiasm. Um, I don't know what what else are we like excited about in terms of what you could see there, that what was taped there. What are the what are the big tent poles of this place? Yeah, I mean, when I toured it, I asked my dad like, was anything taping? Because you would go through. They had like um, big glass windows, big soundproofed glass windows, so you could look in on makeup and and hair there's there's footage of mark summers complaining about like you have to turn the mic i don't want people watching me get my makeup done this is weird um and and so there were all these little fish bowls you would go above the sound stage like up by the lights and you could look down on the set i think i asked my dad his memory is that double dare i don't think like was in the middle of a game when we were there but at least the set was standing and we saw the set and so i'm sure it was either dark or there was just some guys you know coiling cables um because that's the thing if you take a tour of sound stages or a movie studio a lot you're gonna see a lot of silence because um you know when you film stuff they're trying to record sound so like uh they did planned this to be like both a working exhibit where like people could go through and tour it while stuff was filming but there there was some sparse areas certainly the courtyard by the slime geyser well it was thrilling to see the slime geyser uh it was kind of empty otherwise an occasional photo op a small gift shop kiosk kind of thing mm-hmm. but yeah uh, if they like you imagine it always being like you, you imagine there was some party going on there all yes. the time, whether or not the show was taping, just because you'd see it. Like I feel like with what would you do, they started using that zone all the time. So you imagine there's always some hubbub. But yeah, it's pretty a little sleepy, a little like photo ops. I also will say my recollection of Slime Geyser is that my kid memory made it 200 feet tall. Oh. <laughs> and getting there and realizing like, oh, this is like a, you know, like a PVC pipe art exhibit that you're, that like a, a handy little collective would make, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the thing you may forget is the ground of the courtyard was uh, black asphalt and it was always very wet because the si- slime guys are kind of splashed or wasn't kept up well. Like... It was always so wet over there, but largely (laughs) silent, except for like the like fake sirens when the slime geyser would kind of erupt. And it was water. I mean, it was mostly water. There was some tubes that were dyed green, you know, and there was like fake fog. Mm -hmm. I remember that that that's another thing that that disappointed me a little is that I I probably watched whatever, you know, launch of it there was or opening of the Slime Geyser there was. And, like, I'm picturing just the deepest, greenest slime. And then it is, like, it's it's like murky water. It's like sewer water, basically. Like, that's the... What came out of that geyser looked disgusting. Oh, yeah. That's the whole... I'm trying to think. Like, everything... Everything looked disgusting to me. At the time, it, like... I, w- I think I was always like thinking logistically too. Like if I got hit with this stuff from the geyser, what am I going to do? Am I going to get a new shirt? I don't want to yes. put a different shirt on. Cause like, I remember how traumatic it was for me when I did. And I, we posted that already. And I talked about it on the Chicago show. I sang a song with my mother, uh, uh, which I'm blanking on the name of it. Uh, Gloria Estefan, the Gloria Estefan song. Uh, and because there was a green screen, 
behind me. I had to put a different shirt on that they had in the actual studio. And it was weird. I hated it. I hated it. I remember this really well. Like, this is not my shirt and I'm wearing it. So I had like these like paranoid feelings about like, if I hit hit with that fountain, I'm going to have to put on a new shirt and I don't want to do that. <laughs> it's not my shirt. Well, when they would slime the kid in the pool, and again, the smallest amount of slime, like a like a orange Home Depot bucket half yes. filled worth of slime, he's they they would put the kids yeah in another outfit or a pair of coveralls with like a helmet and goggles. And the other thing is slime; it's mostly like cornstarch and water and dot like. We would make slime so much in elementary school science class and middle school science. Like I can't, I, the number of hours that science teachers ate up making slime in the yes. 90s, where they're like, oh my God, I'm hungover. I have to, it's experiment day. They're making slime. That's the other thing. Well, slime's always edible too. There's footage of Mark <laughs> Summers eating it in the, in the opening day special. How much slime did you guys have as kids? And it didn't have to be Nickelodeon brand slime because at a certain point they started making like Gak and you could buy that, which we had a thing of Gak at home, which was yeah. not quite slime. It was a little bit more like uh, spongy than slime, yeah. but mm -hmm. slime would come in my Ghostbuster toys, uh, my Ninja Turtle toys. There was a catapult thing that would come with like slime and you'd always have in a little like bucket or like not bucket, like almost like a Play-Doh container. Mm -hmm. And I we had slime around the house. We care we we kept slime in the house because of how much many toys came with the slime. <laughs> yeah, multiple IPs, I guess, all had like green slime too. Yes. A, lot, yeah. a lot of different sources of green slime. You would you could buy separate uh retro mutagenous for the Ninja Turtles, which I think we probably had an extra little thing of slime just in case we needed it. In case during my play, there's, there's a blackout or a, a yeah, storm. If there was a pandemic at that time, there would be a run on slime, and we would have at least had some in the house in case. We were very, uh, our slime was rationed. Like, I, <laughs> if we made it in school, we usually came home in like a grungy Ziploc bag or sandwich bag, and we could keep playing with it until it started to break down. I feel like my mom, if a toy came with slime, we either used it until it like dried out or she like palmed it like and like <laughs> so we didn't have it. Uh, I remember once going to Chuck E. Cheese and getting a free thing of Gak. Like that was like I was like, we got to go to Chuck E. Cheese. They're giving away free Gak. And it was pizza. <laughs> it smelled like pizza. It was special pizza Gak. What? Yes. Ew. It's it smelled like pizza. We got home. We opened it and it smelled like like garlic that had gone bad and my mom was like this is going in the trash <laughs> and I wow. was like, i'm a little sad but i also can't disagree with you too hard but i feel like a fool uh oh. that we we went through all that to get free gack oh and wow smell here it is smell yeah. my gack okay scott did you ever have gack yeah yeah i believe i had, I had a one reasonable container of gack <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't smell because we didn't have gak that smelled. Yeah, I didn't know there's there was there, this. Yeah, there's uh, wow, interesting. And then there was smud and phloem as well. Phloem was fun. Phloem, yeah, yeah, yeah. Phloem had some like physical properties, right? It was like little, uh, almost like like mustard seeds, right? Like, yes, the little, yeah. the little, the tiny balls made it uh, stand up. There was texture to it. Yeah. Um. So, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I feel like slime and get. I don't know. Do kids? Do the kids today? Are they? Oh, there was a big slime trend a couple years ago. Kids were crazy. For people were making slime. There's slime TikToks and Snapchat. I've seen, like I've seen like Mentos and like soda TikToks recently. I've seen a lot of that. That's back. We're just yes. not, we're in a we're in a new cool packaging of Mentos and Coke. Yes, yes. There's I saw like three of them yesterday going through mm-hmm. like YouTube whatever fleets whatever YouTube calls fleets or their version. Of yeah, TikTok. yeah. Um, ha- so yeah. That's, have I talked about that on the show? The men- when I was a PA and I had to help the Mentos and soda guys set up a massive rig of Mentos and soda on the Vegas Strip. <laughs> EP Bird, huh? Was it a group called EP Bird? I think so. We were outside of Caesar's Palace, and we had to do this and then clear it up real quick because Don Rickles was getting a Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, <laughs> what from was a, this? What was this for? I was a PA at what was called the Comedy Festival in Las Vegas at Caesar's Palace. I lived in Caesar's Palace for like 10 days, like in 2006, working oh. this event. Oh, um, lucky, lucky. People were... Uh, the audiences were drunk and unruly, and uh, no one seemed super happy to be there, both performers and uh, audience. Uh, Zach Galifianakis was very nice. We had to scramble to get him a big pad uh, mm-hmm. so he could write it on, and he was super cool. A big pad? Uh, not like a... What's a big pad? Not like, like a, a big pad of paper. When he would do uh, the he, bits he, where he tears off the Oh, jokes, the bit where he tears the... pads. The, yeah. Okay, okay. Zach Galvinakis isn't an incontinent. Okay. No, no. He's not... No. But uh, yeah, I had to set up. They had rigged... They had just bottles and bottles of soda, and we had... They had invented these capsules that you would pull a string out of that would drop the Mentos into the soda thing. So it was just a massive puddle of Diet, diet Coke in the like promenade at caesar's palace <laughs> if is it was it two guys in lab coats yes it was definitely yeah, yeah. i my uh, like i had this editing job in 2008 2009 where we did a ton of work with those guys like they had cornered the we are the mm-hmm. diet coke mentos guys and then there was this whole thing where we've uh we're doing our new experiment we're not just the diet coke mentos guys we've got a new experiment for you it is sticky pads like 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 post-it notes and they were gonna like do it was gonna be like a bunch of cool designs where like post-it notes flowed like water and we made all these videos with post-it notes flying around and no one liked any of this nobody cares it's <laughs> not remotely as cool as diet no. coke and mentos there's this long arduous project that was a tie-in like ep bird's special post-it note experiment to promote <laughs> abc family's samurai girl <laughs> what do you what's any of this what is the like, those guys were nice three products at once yeah <laughs> I, I did not meet them i cannot say anything about uh, ep bird i was just like part of the i guess both of us were part of the ep bird industrial complex yeah <laughs> i think they, they were having a lot of fun with they had other jobs they they kind of fell into it and and they were they were nice guys in my experience i don't know i um, never met that so i don't know yes they could, yeah. could be they could be perfectly nice so uh but yeah um, but that similar appeal like oh you make a big mess like that was what nickelodeon you weren't like mike said we were saying earlier you know you make a big mess and you're not allowed to do that in your home but you can do it at nickelodeon mm-hmm. well this is maybe a good point to talk about one of the big temples of the tour which is the gack kitchen that yes, was, that was sort of the you know because the other things that you see, I think you are outside a like 
control booth. I watched a video where, you know, you're you're at all the monitors and the switchers and like the director who's who's calling the shots up there and they prove that the glass is uh soundproof by having a bunch of people all scream Nickelodeon <laughs> at the top of their lungs. Yes. Which if you could hear it, what an annoying place to work. I guess you couldn't. The person didn't turn around. But it's, you know, it's it's cool. And I ate all this up as a kid. Like this is totally what made me want to work in in TV or media or whatever the hell. Like I, I definitely ate all this up. But for in terms of like kid color, the Gat Kitchen is probably the craziest thing. And that was where um because you don't like I don't think I was ahead of it. I wasn't like smarter than everybody i know that it's edible and it's just corn style. i really don't think i knew what it was made of and it was cool seeing it come together and get mixed up in a bowl and they'd let people take a bite or whatever i I don't remember a lot about what the get kitchen presentation was oh sure yeah i i remember seeing that yeah it was later i think i saw that first and then it was later i had a a teacher who was a had been a scientist or a science professor and was very into like, yeah. Oh, did you know this is really this? And and that they would do the slime stuff and they certainly got our interest. Yeah. That's a good, that, that's, that's good fake science. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kill time with, I mean, I think there were probably a point where I thought, Oh, maybe like the slime uh, burns you <laughs> really. Yeah. <badly>. <laughs> <laughs> you just scream after you were getting slimed or something, or it would change your, I would like, like the Joker. It would change my face, my color. It would change me to green permanently or something. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I had those thoughts. Um, Maybe but, I thought it would be like like a drug, like eu- euphoria, like maybe it would make me happier. Like as soon as you're kissed by Gak, mm. <laughs> then you just feel lighter than a cloud. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, so there's no easy solution like that, other than, you know, six ounces of white wine. Uh, that's <laughs> as close as I can come to what I thought Gak would do. I don't know. I think if you... Jason seems like he knows exactly how to make some slime in the lab. I think if Jason can whip up some slime for you, maybe have that white wine, and then we'll just dump it on your head next time we're in person. And let's see if we can't recapture that old magic, that old feeling. <laughs> now look, while I, you're reading I'm excited cuisine. that I'm very excited for the forthcoming us returning to in person. But look, germs are still, you know, we're all still a little psychologically scarred from the last year. How is this suddenly becoming a super sloppy podcast, The Ride? <laughs> now we're sliming each other. Now we're eating kid cuisine, which will probably make us vomit. Now suddenly there's all kinds of fluids going on, fluids being exchanged on super sloppy podcast, The Ride. And I don't know how I feel about it. Has Dr. Fauci weighed in on super uh, sloppy slime and if it could actually increase the spread of COVID or I would really like to know <laughs> before we do this because I, you're right you're right we, we are getting a little ahead of ourselves here about getting sloppy when we're back in person and I think we should just follow the CDC guidelines about how sloppy we are allowed to be yeah you know it's almost paradoxical they want to say I don't know without any repercussions. <laughs> and then when they say it, they get slimed. And w- what, what do they think is going to happen? We've, well, we've all seen Rand Paul getting very testy with Dr. Fauci uh, lately because um, he wants to get sloppy immediately. He's wanted everyone to be sloppy this whole time. Jim Jordan wants Jim to be Jordan super too. sloppy. It's our, and our, li- our basic liberties. We're guaranteed the right yeah. to get sloppy <laughs> well right. rand that's paul what... got sloppy with his yard work and uh he got a comeuppance <laughs> for that so we'll see what happens if he gets sloppy with his mask work mm. 
Um, so, uh, what have, what have kit, we missed here? What's kitchen. part of this? Uh, Gat uh, Kitchen. Gat um, Kitchen. Well, um, it, seems, it seems fun in general, and that the, pers- the official chef there is called the Gackmeister. I like that. I could see, I could see, like, yeah, the, the reality as a kid there, I would have gagged having, like, eating it even, like, even if somebody was like, you know, it's just, it's candy. You eat the same yeah. colored candy all the time. Like, it's ner- color of nerds. And there's no, I would still be like, oh, but it's, oh, no, I can't. Like, it would, it would still t- psychologically be, like, disturbing to me, I think. But that you know, I feel like I might have liked it. I I was watching a video where a kid tried a little bit and then like got nauseous. But I I feel like I'd like eating gak. I don't know. Hey, yeah. I, I I could I could see now I would love it. But I'm just trying to remember. I'm tr- look. I'm doing my best because I didn't get to experience this thing this thing when I was younger because we couldn't go to Universal. We only went to Disney. You know. Yeah, I'm like you're to talking live. to your parents right now. Am you I? Went into, you went into that tone of voice. Maybe I am. Maybe I. Maybe I feel like we didn't get to go to Universal until it was like 1998. You know, my family always went clockwise back to like or counterclockwise back to like ET and Back to the Future first. So I think like I got the glimpse of Nickelodeon Studios the first one or time two times we went, but usually did it later in the day, and that was probably a good move. Because I saw the more like behind the scenes stuff, like Alfred Hitchcock and Murder She Wrote, uh, so that kind of prepped me for a lot of spare sets, like empty sets with like fluorescence on them. Uh, because again, it's a tour; it's not going to be like you're walking into the middle of a commercial. So I I did very quickly temper my expectations. I think that like yeah, I'm not going to get hit with a pie out of a secret door. I wish they had done more like people jumping out of secret entrances or stuff or like you know some weird stuff in the tour yeah it could have it could have been sillier it could have been wackier i I suppose it is a little a a tad functional uh, from what you can tell about it but did the game lab do anything for you we we talked about splitting up into kids and adults but then like was that show a satisfying show i i think it was fun to see it demonstrate it in in person yeah once i was like got my shaking down to a manageable level i could try and and look and i saw the slime and i could see that it was far away from me and yeah as mike as you said it's not going to burn me it's probably not going to get on me yeah, um, not, yeah, not going to turn you into like Clayface, like a slime monster. Um, yeah, I'm, I found. Uh, oh, go ahead, Mike. No, you go. Well, I was going to say I found some of the merchandise. Like I, I don't know why I never got one of these shirts that everyone wore in the broadcast because they surely had them for sale. I did have this shirt, which I apparently, yeah, I know it's at my mom's. I can apparently get eighty dollars for it on eBay. This is a oh. shirt with the, the Nick Studios logo, which, by the way, there's the Nick logo, which is a big splat, but then the Studios logo, where it's a splat that has different shapes, like a camera and uh, film strips and a, a blimp for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that, that outline, what they, how they modded it out for the yes. studio setting. Apparently, that was heavy, in, uh, heavily influenced by like the MTV logo could kind of do anything and go anywhere, and they're like, "We got to be able to do that too." 
Like, oh, that's that was cool. a big oh, deal. Oh, yeah, how you never like um, associated it with a particular color scheme. The whole thing was that it would flash through different crazy patterns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's why like it'd be a blimp sometimes, and then it'd be a shit, a plane, or like a big splat. Like it could, it could. The font they said the font was always the same, and the orange was always the same. Um, but then you could do a lot with it. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. My my general takeaway going back into the Nickelodeon archives and watching a bunch of shows in the last week, just that I mean the shows are great, but the it's the the look and the graphics and the promo department and the odds in it and just all the various pieces of media that where they sing nick 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 I. All of the stuff between the shows, they did such a great job. And then you take that into Snick and the couch, and that is yeah. so memorable. Um, I feel that way about MTV as well, because, yeah, it was like, you know, two branches of the same company. And uh, it was like, you know, as, as much all the stuff between the shows as what was in the shows. I just, just all that middle crap. They did such a great job. Yeah, it, it's it's really it's a vibe. It's what we, Jason was saying earlier. Like truly, like the vibe of Nickelodeon was like perfect. They really like figured out how to make you feel like it was all part of a piece. And like this is like you hear the Nick 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 song, and it's like that's my that's made for me. This is this everything is almost not everything, but almost everything is good on this channel. <laughs> there, yeah, there was there was not like a Poochieism. In, in this, you know, like Poochie b- being the, the character added to Itchy and Scratchy, who is completely the product of focus groups and out of touch adults thinking what kids might want to see. It w- th- that was never the situation. Like they, they, they calibrated and defined our taste in the process. Like they put something out there. Is this your taste? We said yes. And they mm-hmm. kept going. And then it completely became our, our dominant taste for the next five years or so yes can i real quick i, I want to go down the list of the things that were shot here and just i'm going to point out highlights because so many so many things were shot That's at nick studios yeah. uh eureka's castle is a show i liked a lot my sister my was loyalty. a little younger yeah um but i'm big the puppets if you don't know dragon bat puppet batley like batley yeah. uh i like his voice i like doing his voice still magellan you know eureka i like that a, a fun puppet show yeah. uh obviously double dare we were talking about um i liked my the show my brother and me do you remember my brother I, and me yeah i did remember that as it i was, was watching clips it was i oddly this, watched a lot of my brother and me we loved my brother and me we love uh they the kids the two kids had a friend named goo goo oh goo was so funny goo was so funny (laughs) the show only lasts like a season and they would just replay them over and over again but we watched all of there's like what 10 episodes probably burned into my brain is the one where a a basketball player shows up and they say his name so many times and i only knew who he was because of the episode but just how many times they said his full name kendall gill kendall gill (laughs) kendall gill's gonna be here so I like I love Kendall Gill now because of that yeah. episode. Uh, yeah, underrated show. I feel like anybody who knows it is like, yeah, I watched a lot of that. Yeah, uh, you bring it up. I am. I guess I'm more fond of it than I realized. Yeah, we we, we loved it. We, we get uh, Goo on SNL. Goo yeah, should be there too. I agree. Um, 
Now, Wienerville is a show I watched, but it was creeped out by. I yeah, loved I it, but I was creeped out by it. I was very <laughs> conflicted. I was afraid I would get puppeted. I would get turned into a puppet. And I wouldn't be able to get turned back. Something would go <laughs> wrong. I was terrified of that happening. Well, dude. I saw Mark Wiener live at the Arlington Racetrack, too, or like in 1994 or 5. Betting on the ponies? No, no. He was doing a sh- He was not just there with like a racing form. He was actually doing some kind of show. And we went to see him, and they had kids like get wienerized there. And even though I was like older, I still was like, I don't want to risk it. Yeah, I'm no. not going <laughs> to risk getting turned into one of those characters permanently. So you'd be permanently wienerized? I didn't know, you know? I think there was still a, a feeling in my head that that was possible. I don't know if it was as strong as what Jason's describing, but I did have, it did was like, I did have that feeling of like, ugh. I don't were, know. If you were Wiener Ride, that means that you, because he had like little puppet bodies on his own uh, full sized head. Is that what Wienerizing? Yeah, was? sorry to, to explain to the audience who might not know Wiener, Mark Wiener's Wienerville. In 20, I know nothing beyond 21. the title. I, yeah. I, again, I probably watched like more episodes of this than shows that I like a lot today. I probably watched 50 episodes of Wienerville, but remember nothing. <laughs> right. Well, that's fair. I don't, I don't have such strong memories. He had like a biker character. Is that right? Like he, he was, was like, like kind of like a greaser, um, maybe a greaser w- type. Was he a sort of a kids in the hall style, like blonde office lady who'd go like, ha, ha, ha. Yes, I think he so. Was that, yeah. do- was it Dottie? Am I, is my memory mm, correct? Is it Dottie from might, Wienerville? I, I believe it is. Dottie, yeah, there was definitely some sort of Dottie involved. It, it says 93 to 94. So much only shot for a year or two, and they would just grind it out. Or what would happen with, like, Clarissa Explains It All and Keenan, like, they would shoot some of it in Florida, and then the person would get, you know, momentum in their careers. <laughs> They're like, all right, we got to move this to Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, all that says season one and two only shot there, which I liked all that as well. But I think well, we talked yes. about it on the show before. It was like when I started watching Saturday Night Live, and I was like, I can tell Saturday Night Live is better. But I do like all that. I still like watching all that. Um, what else is on this list? Um, uh, Nick Arcade. Oh, was Nick Arcade. Big oh, one. God, I mean, I've Roundhouse seen a lot of- season one. Oh, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, sure. Oh, I was just gonna say that everyone, everyone is upset still, like tra- traumatized by how badly everyone did in the final round of Nick Arcade. Yeah, because. Yeah. It was like, like a, they were on a green screen or a blue screen or something, and they were like looking yeah. at a monitor to see where like the, the bad guys were coming as if they were in a Nintendo game or an old arcade game. And it was impossible. They failed almost every time. And as a kid, you were like, you didn't understand the physics of that. So you were so frustrated watching them just eat shit every time they went to the bonus round or the final round. Yeah, and there's footage of, like, the stairways were practical, those were real, yeah, or the yeah. orbs, those were real, but then everything else, yeah, like you said, it's just an empty <laughs> blue screen and a weird <laughs> a monitor, a giant monitor, but at a very weird spot. It's wild. This is a pretty uh, good video that I just found that's um, uh, three to four... Orlando local news outlets who clearly all got invited to some media day of Nick. Like, there's a new show, Nick Arcade, launching, and you can go be part of a taping and maybe be on the show. And they have 
their report, their wacky reporter go do a round of it. And they all completely eat shit, including a weatherman and a weatherman. (laughs) That's what they do for a living. Yeah. In front of green, you're watching. I have to point this way, but it's going to be flipped the other way. And I have to base what I'm doing off a monitor. So if a weatherman, a professional (laughs) fails at that, then how is some kid going to understand the intricacies (laughs) of chroma work? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, no, the kids, see. poor kids. Um, there was Roundhouse, one- I think, is the one that we have. That that's like one of the, when you start uh, thinking about these shows when it is not your childhood. When when enough time has passed that it becomes nostalgia. Oh, remember this, remember that. Roundhouse is like the first one where you go, oh, some of them were bad. It's <laughs> like the yeah. like the first that it occurs to you. There's other shows you might say, oh, that didn't like this, and other people would say, oh, what are you talking about? That was good. Roundhouse, I don't think you're getting any argument. Well, yeah, not I with don't... she's all that right after, like, or not she's all that, all that. Um, uh, <laughs> all that. Uh, <laughs> there, she's all that. The, the show, all that did a she's all that to the concept of children's sketch comedy. Like they elevated it in a above, like a roundhouse or a welcome freshman. Um, mm. I liked that justification. I liked that that. I got it. Language. Yeah, he fixed it. He fixed it. He retconned it. No mistakes in podcasting. Uh, um, <laughs> Well, I was going to say about what would you do, which I really, really liked what would you yes. do, which was Mark Summer's other show. And it was just the same concept, different set, basically. I mean, it wasn't the same exact game show, but kids, there would be different ways to get slimed. I will say, so at Nick's Studios, which was in a theme park, there was a ride on what would you do that I feel like was not used a lot. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I, I vaguely remember this. Yeah. The Pie Coaster. The Pie Coaster. And I believe ah. they only use this once in a while because I don't remember seeing it a lot because they'd have the pie pod, which was like their signature, I believe, on what would you do, which was you'd sit in a seat and then like arms would like fly, like fling pies at your face, which I remember being scared that would hurt as well as a kid. I was like, I liked the idea of the pie pod, but it was very, uh, I was a little traumatized by it. But then I remember this very distinctly and I remember that it wasn't on a lot and it's probably because it was hard to maintain but it was the pie coaster and they built <laughs> Jeez, it's a little soapbox derby that is so low rent and then, oh like... my gosh and it's the biggest pie and it goes backwards yeah wow and i bet that they were like we can't this isn't that good <laughs> this it's not good enough to justify the insane setup <laughs> You uh, <laughs> feel the Bob Gurr in this. Like, not literally Bob Gurr, but you feel some guy rolling up his sleeves and banging this together at two in the morning. And there's like a hard, like, bank up at the end here. Do you see that? <laughs> yeah. So it can like, swing back with momentum. Right. Yeah. It's like, not a plow like, into the audience. Kid probably got her, like, neck hurts. Her neck probably got hurt on this. And they were like, we can't maintain this pie, <laughs> pie coaster much longer. It's a little whiplashy. So. It looks more architecturally sound than Rip Ride Rocket, though. I'll say that. <laughs> well, that's that's fair. Like that's a more I'm... pleasant experience, too. <laughs> that's where they got the idea for Rip Ride Rocket. Yeah. This is um the... Uh, I was looking for Reddit threads of people who got to go to Nickelodeon tapings or be part of the shows, and I saw a post from somebody who was disillusioned by the whole thing because they got to go to a taping of Legends of the Hidden Temple, which was such a oh. grand show with huge games and huge sets, and they said that the taping was not very fun because 
they had one of the games set up, you know, whether it was one of the ones running across water or whatever, those are so involved. And it was basically, here's the game. And now we're going to play it six times with six different groups of kids because they're block shot <laughs> by set, not so right. much, but they don't like film the whole episode in half an hour, real clean, like a talk show. Um, so I think it was, uh, sort of like laborious and boring. I wonder if that was the case with the pie coaster too like oh. not worth the, the setup yeah i bet they had to wheel that thing out and test it like 10 you would think like to move a roller coaster even a little one you then have to test it to make sure the person in the coaster isn't going to fall off because moving a coaster is a big, big 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 pain in the ass so you would imagine that yeah that was probably a logistical challenge um i wonder Logi- if logistical God- challenge <laughs> that's my my favorite thing about the double is that they in the way that kids all adopt a way of you know how everyone says all kids say the pledge of allegiance in the same way mm-hmm. i pledge allegiance yeah. to yeah. the flag that it was like that with physical challenge where nobody said physical challenge it was always physical challenge just a big <laughs> lean in right up on the fuzz of physical challenge <laughs> like why did they somebody could have said it in a different way but by that the tone just got adopted yeah you that you had a yeah the whoever the the first whoever the pioneer of that was the first kid to say it yeah set the tone forever set the tone for yeah um by the way one of these you know also to, to continue praising mark summers i guess maybe equal to michael eisner and my kid i just liked these nice guys in suits <laughs> spoke clearly mm-hmm. um looking you know the whole thing with him became Oh, but he's he's kind of crazy. He's got OCD. He doesn't like. Uh, he was a host of Double Dare, and he doesn't like messes. Though this guy, let me tell you, he washes his hands all the time. That's how <laughs> crazy he is. He'll wash his hands for like upwards of I don't know twenty seconds. What a like vindicating era for Mark Summers. This well, all has to be. Yeah, now that we are all mega germaphobes. And what a hero! Because like, not only is there all this mess, children. Are uh, Scott? I'm sure you've learned uh, gross, disgusting, like uh, sure. so much goo. <laughs> they're their own little slime factories. They're their own little gack labs. You know, yeah, so personal gack labs. Yeah, I know. And that he did that. He like had this problem and yet suppressed it to have this crazy specific job. Yes, um, it's and, pretty amazing. And someone said about Mark Summers, the thing why I think he he immediately caught on with kids is he always treated the kids as adults. He always talk to them like equals whether they were excited whether they were nervous whether they seemed like a brainiac or like just kind of out of it he always was like you know acted like you know uh, alex trebek would act to the jeopardy contestants you know yeah Yeah. um yeah super great charismatic he also that story there's a story in that Orange Years documentary that he he told to us in person. I think this is part of his little like, I'll, like I'll give you the inside stuff. But the story where like a kid almost like bends their leg in hat like like there's oh, a super like, dislocation of a oh, leg yes. from a slip and fall in a which I think in person he might have described it as like I feel like I. It was like, am I seeing bone? What happened? Like, it was really bad. It was a truly (laughs) horrendous accident on the obstacle course. And they were like, everybody's already thinking this is going to be Lawsuit City. We are so screwed here. And then the parent comes up and says, hey, so that next one, before he slipped and fell on your set, the next game was going to get us that big screen TV. You give us that big screen TV, maybe none of this ever happened. (laughs) 
Oh, well, maybe. Yeah, sure. I think we could make that work. And then backstage, they're all like, oh, my God, we can just give him the TV and make this go away. Holy shit. Like they, they, they save Nickelodeon three million dollars with this one free TV. Yeah. TV, the resolution these days would look like shit. It would look horrible. Yeah, big, I can't believe there even were big TVs in the oh. 90s. Why? Oh. Why did they even bother? Well, my mom's keeping hers going. God knows how many times she's gotten it repaired. It's in a big wooden cabinet. It is a massive... It's probably as tall as I am. How old is and, it? Oh, uh, I would say that was the event of the year in 1995 when we got it. Oh, 1994. Wow. <laughs> yes. Whoa. And it's a piece of furniture. Yeah. How much is the repair on it? At this I point? don't know. She got it repaired like years ago, and it. I mean, it still works. Um, mm. My my uh, my my dad had the exact same thing, where the cabinet that the TV is in is driving <laughs> the lack of replacement of the TV. Like, look, it's hey, it's nice. It's but you know, it's uh, that's good wood panel. It's good varnish. You don't replace that. <laughs> yeah. My so, dad uh, also. I, I have to say, because this happened yesterday, and I, it's, I have to unload this burden of what, what my dad said, which is, he pronounced the word sushi, sushi. He put a, he did a C-H-I, and I'm like, Dad, we have said the word sushi to each other. You know <laughs> That it is not sushi. He said it, it, it. He said it in the context of like that weird stuff you eat, like sushi. And I stopped him. Like, hang on. <laughs> I will not let this stand. You know, in your heart, it is not sushi. You have been on this earth since the fifties. This is not a new word to you. You know what? Uh, someone in my family did that to me recently uh, with the very bitter, with a kind of bitter leafy green you get in a salad. You know, arugula. And I don't even remember how. I, I don't even remember what they were trying to say. Agrula? Aragola? Aragola. Yeah, something like that. And I'm like, you've had arugula. No, 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 no. This isn't oat milk. This is, come on. It's in every bag of prepackaged mixed greens. Come on. Uru gluck gluck. What is that California crap you're eating? Who, Jason, has your dad had sushi? Yeah, my dad's had sushi. My dad, so my mom's repairing the same TV from 1995. My dad moved a number of years ago and immediately bought the biggest sony widescreen tv he could get and uh, uh opted for like a pool table instead of a dining room kitchen like like dining room table so he's he's the a little more hipper um, yeah my dad and put, and put my, on the biggest platter of sushi you'd ever he put he put on the sushi channel i don't think he goes to sushi volume. he likes nice restaurants like I, he, he gets sushi i don't think it's his favorite but uh yeah dads dads just don't like sushi they're scared of sushi uh for some reason i don't know what it is i'm not a big sushi guy either so i i you know i but i'll i'll eat it it's rice and avocado and yeah. <laughs> some fish pretty base i i feel stuff what you have else? and other these contexts. boy parents you know as you think about this then they're on adventurous food tape boy, these parents i hate them they're stupid glasses always saying they're don't eat sushi with their yeah horn rim glasses sushi's Stop eating sushi <laughs> you're mongling <laughs> don't they should have sushi in kid cuisine i think <laughs> yeah um okay what if we not we're, well, we're, we're uh, naming shows still. Guts. Um, guts. Gotta mention oh, guts. Guts, guts, and, 
Legends of the Hidden Temple was kind of that I feel like is the dividing line somewhere around there and Secret Life of Alex Mack, which I, I don't think shot here. But like soon after that, a couple of years after that, they, they get Dora the Explorer and um, SpongeBob SquarePants. And then it's just like a rocket ship. Like it's it's a different era. Things things change a little, you know. Sure, yeah, sure. there's stuff that just there's, there's stuff on this list is like just out of the time I was watching, like Mystery Files of Shelby Wu. I didn't watch. I was like, I was onto much more sophisticated shows at that point, you know. Uh, like I don't know, in 1998, what uh, VIP VIP Relic Hunter, uh, all the different shows I watched on a Saturday afternoon on UPN or whatever. Um, you know, that all these future luminaries that Keenan Thompson's, you know, doing his early, we're cutting his teeth there, that Mike O'Malley on several shows before he wrote the Margaritaville musical, <laughs> you know, all the, the greatest talents of our, that still is a bizarre fact to me. I don't know if listeners know that fact that Guts host Mike O'Malley wrote the Jimmy Buffett musical. Yeah. yeah. Well, wrote Michael- the book, wrote the book. <laughs> yeah, of course songs. he didn't have any. We know, who, oh, didn't, we know, we know who, who wrote, wrote the songs. songs. We know the gentleman who did that. Yeah, yeah. Mike O'Malley, very interesting career if you look, because obviously as kids we were like, oh, the guy who yells a lot, uh, who yells a lot on the game show. We like to watch kids run around. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, is like sick multiple sitcoms, created things, and yes, the Jimmy Buffett musical. He's and, in Sully. He's in the the scene with the the constant recreation and the birds. That's uh, that's Mike O'Malley in there. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, he. So he. I liked him a lot. I liked uh, him, and I liked uh, Mo. I liked them both a lot on the show. Um. But Mike specifically, sometimes a little much for me. Sure. You know, sure. he was a lot. He's very very aggressive. So while I did like him. I definitely was like, all right, well, you could not always yell at me. <laughs> you need the balance, you know? Yeah. I guess I preferred the, the friendliness. Like, I sensed that if I, yeah, if I met them in person, Mark Summers would be nice to me, as he was when it happened, and Mike O'Malley might yell at me, <laughs> bully me, <laughs> and tell me to go up that rope you, quicker, he which I have, imagine would happen today. He, but he, well, you know, when Jimmy Buffett was meeting with Michael O'Malley, Michael O'Malley was yelling at Jimmy Buffett. You, there's no way they, they they couldn't work like that. Jimmy wouldn't. Well, he Jimmy's changed a, his tune. He softened it up. Yeah. To, to <laughs> be able to hang out. To be be shifted to island time. Tully Mars wouldn't do that. <laughs> don't make me write Tully Mars in a way I don't like, Jimmy. <laughs> he wouldn't do that. He would not say that to Jimmy Buffett because Jimmy. Nobody knows Tully Mars, the character that Jimmy wrote in multiple novels, better than Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, we got a tight story here. Volcano doesn't make any sense. They're never going to be able to pull off the set. A a volcano spewing on stage every night? Are you crazy? Uh, Well, actually, in the context of the musical, the volcano is probably one of the things that makes the most sense. (laughs) That's right. I didn't see the. uh, Yeah, that's the last thing we all did before pandemic. Yeah. With Eva Anderson. With Eva. Uh, and, and we should yeah. have done a second gate. I mean, maybe we still will, but we should have. If it weren't for pandemic, like watching that away, there definitely should have been a second gate on that musical, um, which was honestly pretty fun. I'll be like pretty fun. Yeah, we had a nice time. Uh, the story is not so sophisticated. It's a fairly simple story, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But 
you know, Just throwing O'Malley under the bus. Bad book. Oh, I don't, you know, not a bad book. I don't want to no. say O'Malley wrote a bad book. I would never say that. I just think that he knew what the, uh, what the show should be. Sure. And he wrote appropriately. You want the hits. It's hard to write simple. It's hard to write simple. You know, it's a great compliment to say, like, something is simple and pared down, you know? Sure, the big, sure. the biggest appointment, disappointment was that it was the final performance, and I was so hoping Mr. Buffett himself would come out at the end like he had been in previous uh, yes, because he was in not. the city. He had posted on Instagram. Well, at least if you believed his Instagram. He I was, was tracking him on Instagram, <laughs> and I was like, he's in Los Angeles. Why would he not come out at the end and play Margaritaville with everyone? And he did not. So, <laughs> Oh, well. Oh, well. You, were, you put a tracking device on his personal assistant's car. Yeah. I, and uh, they're in yeah. town, so... Uh huh. And I had a tra- I trained a pelican to <laughs> be on All lookout sent. for him, <laughs> and it had like a little earpiece, uh, and then I would give it dir- the pelican directions and say like where where is he now? Follow follow that car, follow that surfboard or something. <laughs> and the pelican go Heinz fifty seven <laughs> fly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the pelican's uh, living here now. By the way, it's been living with us the whole pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> He's in your pod. In your your pod again. <laughs> yeah, there's only, uh, <laughs> only been three people. Me, Lindsay, and the Pelican. And the Pelican. Um, guys, if I could circle back before we, we talk more Nickelodeon stuff to the Kid Cuisine world. Um, oh, please. I, I messaged uh, our, our Shrek expert, Griffin Newman, um, <laughs> to say, what is your off-the-cuff reaction to this box? And he, oh. he's, he sent quite a bit, uh, so I'm, I'm going to summarize um, oh, sure, sure. probably the biggest things he said. I would not touch that fucking tray. I find the sad bastard dinner that Shrek eats alone in the first <laughs> movie more appetizing. And then uh, you can see it's tomatoes and peas and like a fucked up sausage, I think. <laughs> Yeah, that's real stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, and, it's and more organic than kid cuisine could ever be. He says this, says this too, as someone who eats chicken nuggets at least three times a week. So um, if he's turning against the Shrek nugs, um, yeah. He wouldn't eat a, a Shrek shaped, or he doesn't like on his own turn them into Shrek, he doesn't carve Shrek ears out of his own nuggets. Well, we'll have to ask him when we talk to him again. <laughs> we'll have to ask him. Uh, but, PTR legend Griffin Newman. So that's two for two against. Okay. <laughs> so uh, the rules are always if it sucks, <laughs> Mike and Jason have to stand up for it. Hi, did it's I stand Scott's up? gagging. <laughs> know that I def- necessarily endorsed the Shrek. I'm no, maybe I'm wait forgetting. Wait till we get to the episode, and we'll see. We know where things land. Um, when I like eat the Shrek nuggets, and I go, "This is so. Mm, <laughs> it's mm, good. Mm. I like it's cute. My stomach feels cute. <laughs> I'm in the bathroom, like, still good. <laughs> My voice is a little hoarse. Can I go take like a forty minute break? Okay, bye. <laughs> Run away. <laughs> Don't even make it to a bathroom. <laughs> you see, I'm like tweeting from the show account. These are good. I love these Shrek nuggets. I it's love just them. a shame that was ten years after the time capsule was buried when <laughs> <but> it couldn't <laughs> preserve them. Now that's a good segue. And my, you know, hey, we're talking Mike O'Malley. One of the big moments of Mike O'Malley was his hosting of the Nick Time Capsule ceremony in April 1992. Uh, what we're now? How many years out are we from the? It'll be opened in in 21 years, I believe. Yes. 
uh, a, a, a long traveling time capsule. Yes, yeah. So th- I remember watching this one as well. This was a big deal to me. Nickelodeon in April 92 buried a time capsule, an orange time capsule that was full of things that are important to the children of 1992. And there is a special hosted by Mike O'Malley uh, where he makes uh, declarations guaranteed to become not true. Like, kids will come to this spot, <laughs> this spot that'll stand forever. <laughs> And they'll find out what it was like for you guys now that you guys are the adults running the world. Um, But of course, as we'll get into, there is no Nickelodeon Studios. It hasn't been there in a long time. So it uh, this uh, that was my big concern. I remember when I heard that the studios were closing, like, what if what of the time capsule? This is like an important thing in my life now. Like I'm seven watching this and where will I be by then? What will be my life in 2042? And I, I need to know, I need to track this thing. So it's moved. They have, they've had to move it several times. Yes. And it's at, yeah. it's been moved, what, twice? Is that right? Still, it's at the newer yeah. hotel after they closed the worst hotel, the worst Nick hotel. Oh, no, no. It, it went or to a, the Nickelodeon Suites Hotel. Now it's here in fucking Burbank by the oh, office yeah, tower. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Wow, uh, it's real. We can go, now we can go see it today. Yeah, we can, but we need like a drive access. The, the Nickelodeon Studios in Burbank are not open to the public like the old ones used to be. They're restrictive, and they need key cards and stuff. They're blocking. We're it's we're still the kids of '92. Yes. We should have automatic access to that thing anytime we want. So I'm. This does bother me. If there are any listeners to the show that have an in. For us to go see the time capsule behind the gates, I this this uh, genuinely would be very cool and important to me to get to check in <laughs> on the time capsule. I like I've even walked by that. I've like parked my car and walked around there and gone like, is it in the courtyard? Is there like a place I can see through the fence and see <laughs> uh, where? Just even get the kind of a taste of it, uh, but I don't know. I think you need you need to know somebody. Do we know? Do we know anybody? We know people at Cartoon Network, but I don't know if we know people at Nickelodeon. It's a good question. I don't know off the top of my head. I have never actually been to the Burbank Nickelodeon. I auditioned for some weird wizard show a couple of years ago with the closed one on Sunset. Yeah. Okay. Were you? Could you have been the new Mister Wizard? <laughs> No, it was not Mr. Wizard. It was like some show about a kooky wizard, and I acted like an ass in this audition for like five minutes. Okay. And I left. I think I actually did okay. Yeah. But I did not get it, and it was not for a Mr. Wizard. I could look up the the sides again. But I have never been on that Burbank, Nick, which literally is very close to here. Close to where all of us. Yeah, that's true. We're all within pretty close close proximity. It's all equidistant. We're all equidistant. We're all equidistant. We could all start running and get there in a little bit. Uh, I mean, I don't know. We feel great. Oh, man. If only it were open. (laughs) We we reunite at the Nick time capsule. Perfect. There was a couple articles. Can we put new stuff in there? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Shrek 2 nugs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> slime pudding yeah or swamp pudding what was it swamp pudding that's right um swamp pudding there was a couple of articles but you can kind of tell it was like maybe pr people just tossing something off of like oh they're hoping to give tours of this because they build a like new office tower there the five or seven story office building it's like oh they're hoping to give tours and you could you know walk by where the time capsule is and like oh we moved it in conjunction with this 
building this new office building and it's like i feel like you're falling asleep as i'm reading this and i can hear the sleepiness in their voice <laughs> saying stuff like that nobody i don't think anybody cares about this thing i don't think people realize the people were there were kids watching this special and no, thinking how this is going to be a way to frame my life, like how much, how many feelings, how many emotions I'll have when I get to watch whatever now incredibly sad thing occurs to open this time capsule. Like by that point, there is no Nickelodeon. There is no cable. Just like nothing's going on. It's just like a bad little, like, it's like a sad convention. Not like It's like Comic-Con in 1988, not Comic-Con mm. in the 2000s. it's like a it's like a a funeral like all right we got a good turnout this is nice well does anyone want to say something that's i'm fearing that's what the time capsule opening is like 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 tesla has acquired a lot of paramount and nickelodeon's programming tesla owns most of the world's entertainment at that point and it is like yeah it's it's on fire the time fire. capsule is on fire. Sixty-year-old, <laughs> sixty-five-year-old Elon Musk opens the capsule up and like says, it "Took like, it to Mars. You have to go to Mars <laughs> yeah. to see the time oh, capsule." No. Well, now who's being dark? Uh, I uh, <laughs> now you say that, but one of the video montages I found of like here are the videos that would play throughout the tour was uploaded by the Nickelodeon Rewind YouTube account. And it's so rare that these vintage videos are actually uploaded by the companies. We're watching like VHS mm. rips to get ready for episodes. And this That's was true. like as good quality as, as you know, you could get of like ripping, you know, uh, uh, DV tapes or ripping um, DV cam tapes or whatever. I, I do appreciate that. Yeah. The, the Nick official YouTube has posted the clips that you'd watch on the, the studio tour um, and did they post the? Did they officially post the time capsule ceremony? I feel like they might. Or there is there is a pretty good quality of it on is YouTube. It, yeah, the good quality with the commercials for Pizza Hut cheeseburger pizza and the soon to open Gremlins two. What a time oh, to be alive, nineteen ninety. <laughs> Jesus Christ, all of that at mm. once. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, nineteen ninety two. There's the, you got There's a lot of what a time to be alive because. I mean, we could talk about some of what's in that that capsule, but the the maybe the, in my mind the most notable thing is that they've like it's it's all been picked by kids. It's you know they've sort of pulled kids. What do you want to see in there? But then right before it goes down, who shows up but Joey Lawrence? And Joey <laughs> Lawrence has a baseball cap that says "Whoa '92," and that goes in there right before it goes in the ground. Will children of 2042? Uh, find the catchphrase "whoa" as important as the nineteen ninety two show, as I know I did in ninety two. I I would like to hope so. I would like maybe they'll reboot Joey Lawrence's catchphrase "whoa" soon for a streaming service. <laughs> I don't know how they'll do it, but "whoa" should come back in some context, and then it's almost bizarre that there has not been just the the billion dollars in cash just pl- like backed up to my Bialik's house to do a a lazy unwatchable yeah. blossom reboot oh yeah well she's got the cat show days. she's got the cat show she's doing oh, great yeah. so yeah. i guess she doesn't need to do it she's well doing... yeah, oh yeah because like all these reboots are always people who need to do it <laughs> <All right. laughs> <laughs> hey like, all right like, kelsey Grammer. i know that you have more money than some small countries but would you like to do four bad frasers there was the more story to days? tell for Frasier. <laughs> 
That's a different situation. <laughs> this was always the intent for it to finish and then be brought back 17 years later. How mm-hmm. long has it been? Many, many years. And it was always the intent for it to be done after the death of the dad and probably without David Ike Pierce. That was always the plan <laughs> from the creators of the show. Mm-hmm. Oh. And yeah, yes. but some of the I mean, I think I think reboot Punky Brewster is going to give 110% compared to like <laughs> reboot Frasier, you know? Maybe. I don't know much about Here, reboot Punky Brewster. Here's what I say, reboot my brother and me. That's there what I go. say. Hell yeah. Absolutely. That we, they, we they didn't need, get to finish that show. Yeah. I also they shot uh the the Mystery Files of Shelby Woo. I like that show a lot. Uh mm-hmm. What you else? Said that one. That's that one we, came up already. Oh, we did. That oh, was we like an hour ago. And I said I didn't watch it because I was stop. I kind of was not watching. I was watching different junk at that point. Oh, I got that confused with something else. But that that was later. They were still like even up to shooting the live action of the early SpongeBob's. They were shooting down there. Mm-hmm. You know, Gullah yeah, Gullah Island. There was sort of a like a reprise of. They attempted to get a new little pack of shows going. Slime Time Live, their equivalent of Total Request Live, and some other shows didn't really seem to take. And once that little pack of shows didn't happen, they and so many operations had moved to Los Angeles. To for a while, it was Sunset Gower, which side note is where the Chevy Chase talk show was. Oh shot. yeah! <laughs> so if you never get to go there again for anything, just know that. Similar with these declarations that are made that are uh, proved to be not true, you can watch footage of Johnny Grant, the mayor of Hollywood's, christening oh. it the Chevy Chase Theater, only for the sign to be thrown in the garbage seven weeks later. Oh, man. <laughs> That's where, so latter day, all that was in the same space as, uh, as the Chevy Chase show. Wow. Um, but yeah, so it all, you know, they just sort of stopped making shows there, combined with the how... Universal Studios was not really a working movie studio anymore for the most part. And same with Disney MGM Studios. Everything sort of changed their premise. Nobody cared about behind the scenes anymore. It was just that natural thing that happened to, to both parks. So they quietly closed it. They, there was a, a little window of time where they made the color scheme a little less obnoxious, but also a little more boring. I think it had to be obnoxious. That's the way Nickelodeon Studios has to look. Mm-hmm. You need cowhide. Um, so yeah, 2005, it sort of quietly shuts down. And then before the blue man group shows up is mostly non-operation. They sort of aren't doing anything with those stages, you know, which happens like, you know, places where you make shows sit empty and that makes sense unless you're a YouTuber. (laughs) And I don't know. Oh man. Guys, Uh. people act as if like. You know, the Sistine Chapel got bombed. Like, it's crazy how the people's... And look, there's drama to all this for me. I really want the time capsule to be protected. However, calm down, YouTubers. Like, the studio closed. Like, it's not... Your mom didn't get shot. <laughs> cool. It. Yeah, well, it is. and there's a lot of 2012, 2013 urban exploration when there was still a lot of remnants. And... Ah, uh, it, it's they were still kind of sanding off the rough edges of YouTube. People are a little more polished on YouTube now, but some of those were a goddamn nightmare mm-hmm. to watch. Uh, There's, I mean, like, these are not bad. Vi- the, the, specifically, like the the most popular video that you'll find that refers to the, the site of Nickelodeon Studios as abandoned. It is not a bad video, and it's not badly made. I would maybe take umbrage at the phrase abandoned, because <laughs> abandoned implies like. 
That's like a that's like a nuclear site that nobody could go into for 20 years. This is like there's a ride next door. Like they're going to do something. This is not a bandit. I guess that's a little weird that they kept, you know, posters of Ren and Stimpy <laughs> painted on the wall or that you can go in the bathroom and there's still green tiles representing Gak. Um, like there, there being such odd little remnants is definitely strange. Abandoned, I don't know. And then really... I had a problem with a, a less popular video that is where the thumbnail is a picture of Nickelodeon Studios and then a big title splashed across it, left to rot. <laughs> <laughs> I listen. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there are corpses inside <laughs> the building? Cool it, YouTube. Yeah, I, I mean, I we've talked on the show before how some of these videos, even even things that were like kind of legitimately abandoned, like you know Six Flags in New Orleans or something. Everyone is everyone is acting in those videos, in this video, like you know Indiana Jones, and they've just discovered like some sort of temple that's been lost to time or something. Like, oh my god, it's here! Can't believe it! Like, there's a lot big. There's a lot of uh, theatrics. There's a lot of uh, hyperbole. I feel like. Uh, and this, yes, your your point is correct. Uh, that you know, the Rip Ride Rocket is mere feet away. They know this exists here. They just haven't figured out what to do with it. There's plenty of examples. For instance, some of a big part of Tomorrowland, you could say. <laughs> oh, been yeah. abandoned. I mean, I know there's abandoned. more things in there, but it's like sort of been abandoned. Yeah, yeah. I just don't know. Abandoned. Just there's just drama to it that's like what like a like a person a person who's that's like when the mom and ai leaves the robot david and and drives away in the car that's like <laughs> that's abandoning i don't when it's like a building and a corporation left and the corporation is fine they're doing better than they were yeah like there's nothing sad about the story i don't yeah. think other th i mean look i am wistful for all this stuff i'm nostalgic for this stuff but it is very you know this this was the home of early 90s Nickelodeon. It is not the home of today Nickelodeon, and I'm okay with that. It's nice to look at pictures and watch videos and remember it, and I don't need... Why, why would I sign a petition saying, bring back Nick Studios? <laughs> Nothing's going to happen if I do that. Uh, why would they do it? That's funny you bring a petition, because I have something for the very end, but I won't, I'll save oh, okay. that to the very end. Um, but okay. yes, I... I my philosophy, and I'm not even being funny here, is the energy has to move elsewhere. You know, it doesn't yes. always have to stay somewhere. It doesn't always have to be in an institution. It doesn't have to be in Orlando. Things can change. Things can move. There's a new fun place maybe for kids now. I'm not aware of where it is, but it has to be. It should be somewhere. Maybe it's I think in it's online. I think it's like not a literal place. I it's, think it's is. in our hearts, is what you're saying. It's in our hearts and on our phones. You know, I I do miss. Uh, they 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 don't lean on this, which I appreciated as a kid, and I really appreciate now. They were like, and we're not the Magic Kingdom, you know, we're not stuffy, we're not this, but they didn't lean on like being like the anti Disney. But I do like the Devil May Care kind of like. Uh, fun of like early Nickelodeon and I I feel like entertainment like that didn't grow up with us entertainment got so serious like I've been thinking lately about like and it's probably because uh you know Disney bought that but like a Marvel and Star Wars are just so deadly serious now <laughs> like so yeah. capital I important uh and and in a way that like 
the comics never sat with me they i never that's like i made them important because i was a kid but like i don't know i wish that nickelodeon vibe had continued into more media you know yeah well that's i mean i think I think you can make the argument Star Wars is more serious, at least than Marvel. Not that Marvel doesn't have its own like set of problems, but like at least you'll get like a Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special, which I don't know if it's yes. funny yet. It's not out, obviously, but at least that's the that's the spirit I'm looking for in some of this like yeah, crazy it's a little more of a vibe. IP. But yeah. like uh, yeah, getting rid of the hyperspace hoopla for Star Wars. Come on. We yeah, see, I'll go on record saying I'm fine with that one. We want to see Darth Vader <laughs> twerk. Free. We want to see Darth Vader twerk. Okay, to popular music. That's what we like. Um, so yes, I agree. I'm not that signing a petition that, for that one, but feel okay. free. If, if, uh, go ahead and sign if you wish. Okay. Well, we'll put that together. Do you want to see Darth Vader twerk again in a hyperspace hoopla <laughs> to popular music? Um, um, what is your uh, what, what? What do you have? Or maybe we. Well, I again. mean. I'll do a real okay here. I found a petition and it involves kid cuisine. It just says make kid cuisine less depressing. And it's seven people have signed it and it's made by somebody named Concerned Citizen. And the picture of the item on this in this um petition is Kid Cuisine Pizza Painter. And it's cheese pizza. And it's a it's a KC, and he's dressed like a French painter, I guess. And he's painting, uh, like tomato sauce, a face on just a, I don't even know. I guess it's supposed to be crust. And it's he's holding like a little like sauce packet of tomato sauce, like a little like Taco Bell sauce shaped package. And he's painting a gross face of tomato sauce on this little piece of crust. A really perturbed face, almost like an angry Nickelodeon adult. Yeah, um, and then there's Pizza some sort of painter. muff muffin or something in this as well. That's a brownie. Is, like, looks like it's, is that a brownie? Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, it it's looks brownie. like it has, what it says. Oh yeah, you're right. It looks like it has a bite taken out of it or something. Like it looks like incomplete somehow. Uh, That's how you know it's good. <laughs> so yeah. So anyway, that apparently. We're not the first people to have this thought that kid cuisine is a little bit strange or depressing. Well, should, we, should we pump this uh, petition up then? Make kid cuisine less depressing because they're trying to get to a hundred, and only seven have signed. Should we? Uh, All right, I'll I don't do know it. when this was posted. I don't. Uh, well, but I think maybe everybody. Should. Oh yeah, oh, we will. Yeah. We'll post that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So, uh, you know, yeah, we we talk about. You know, this has all been about nostalgia and, uh, you know, bringing back the energy of stuff we liked when we were kids. And I think this is a good first step. Sign the, de- sign the petition to make kid cuisine <laughs> less depressing. You can probably, we'll post it, but you can probably Google that phrase. Um, I like the description too. Kid cuisine is sad to me. It should be less sad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know what part of a, a pizza painting, little like French Pierre of a penguin. I don't know how this isn't uh, cheering this concerned citizen up. But well, I, I think the not. the characters and the logo are still fun. I think they're saying the food itself is a little so. Make it match, you know. Make it fun like the guys, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, all right. Well, everybody get out there and sign this petition. This is very important. Yeah. Um, that's, that's piece of homework number one. Piece of homework number two, if you have any way to get us to go look at the site of the time capsule, please let us know if there's any weird strings you can help pull for the good boys. Come on. You want to help us out. We've <laughs> given you some laughs over the years. Um, you owe us. <laughs> Come on. I just want to burn the hammer CD. I just want to rip it to my laptop. <laughs> um and uh well let me say wait, let me say all right that's the that's the homework you survived podcast the ride nickelodeon studios edition um and uh you know find us on the social media at podcast the ride merch at t public and uh for three bonus episodes a month go to patreon.com slash podcast the ride i rushed through all that to say we got uh an episode coming out next week that has a little bit of runoff of Nickelodeon Studios. Um, it involves the time capsule. We didn't talk a ton about that ceremony, and there's something that happens in it that we, was so inspiring to us that it inspired a, a whole other Second Gate episode. So it's qu not quite Nickelodeon Studios Part 2, but it's something else related to the time capsule. So if you want to hear more time capsule talk, head to patreon.com slash podcast the ride. There'll be something up uh, next week. Um, well, uh, good stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, do we feel um, as high as if we uh, huffed some gak? I yes, I or yeah, tasted uh, slime or gak or or what was the other one? Chud, flume, flood. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I feel I feel good. I feel like um, I feel like I actually got to go there now. You know, I feel like now I've kind of implanted this memory that I did get to go there as a kid, and maybe it's like maybe like I won't, you know wake up in the middle of the night and be upset at my parents for not taking me now because i feel like i've been there and i've explored on this episode you know if you just go outside and hose down the street a little um and just stand there because it's pretty hot in uh southern california right now mm -hmm. and play the audio of the geyser and look away like look into the distance you can trick yourself into thinking the geyser is behind you <laughs> just wet, wet concrete. Wet, we'll just the it. wettest, mm -hmm. empty, like no one else around, soaking mm -hmm. wet concrete. Yeah, mm -hmm. and play kind of a muffled klaxon, and then maybe like, and then when that's over, play like a just like a really quiet version of the Doug theme. Yeah, and that's how you'll feel. <laughs> Do it in like an office park, and just imagine that one of the walls you're looking at is painted like a cow, mm -hmm. and then you'll feel like yeah. you're back at the world head, world kids head headquarters. The best place that could ever be and, and ever was. Uh, uh, well, I'm gathering my materials to do this right now as we speak. Uh, <laughs> I'd also like to say I just see that uh, Gavin Newsom just announced that on June 15th, Los Angeles will be allowed to get super sloppy again. All so, right. All right. So I won't, as soon as I leave the Kid Cuisine depressing petition, I won't go sign the recall petition right. <laughs> done deal gavin thanks for a gavin newsom thanks for a super sloppy summer <laughs> is All that right. is that under other petitions you might like under the kid cuisine one is <laughs> recall yeah. a governor <laughs> it's gotta be it's the same person concerned citizen oh no <laughs> I'll delete it delete it we're getting super sloppy this summer it's gonna be a blast thanks for listening everybody goodbye bye Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced Dog. by Mike Carlson, 
Jason Sheridan, Scott Gardner, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.